The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Monday. Oh, yeah. Monday, September 30th, the final day of the month. October's about to be here if the weather will cool down. So we're going to pumpkin beer and really diving into football. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of this podcast, the daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. But it's not just daily. We actually have eight shows a week. This is sort of our signature show. Myself. Along with the NFL super friends, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, and Sean Wagner McGuff, all joining me to recap week four Sunday action. But first, let me remind you, or tell you the first time if you've never heard it, that you can check out youtube.com slash CBS Sports for a pick six podcast exclusive video. We don't even release the video or the audio, uh, on the, on the stream for the podcast. It's only on YouTube. Go check it out. Subscribe. Uh, and you'll get those clips sent your way. We take a look at early week five lines, and we have at least two games that we were consensus on, so maybe you fade that, uh, and then two picks that we said to go ahead and go. Uh, it'll be available by the time you are listening to this. And by the time you're listening to this, John Breach and Ryan Wilson might be recording a Steelers-Bengals preview. Uh, I will not be on that show. Neither will Jared Dubin. We are both celebrating, of course, the new year. How are you celebrating it? Uh, by playing golf with one of my Jewish friends. I appreciate your honesty. Yes. Uh, it's a charity event. So there you go, Ryan. And by What's charity, that? charity, I mean, uh, media event for the SAS. Thank you. Yes. Exactly. Uh, you, knew, look, you knew the follow up was coming. Yeah. Breach, how you doing, buddy? Brenton, have you ever donated to a charity in your entire life? That seems rude. Yes, of course I have. Uh, I just wanted to ask. Okay. Wolf Fat Club counts, right? Hey, for October, can we get pumpkins and carve our faces into them? Sure. Uh, we have to carve them ourselves. Let's make that Sean's job. Sean, how's, how's, uh, how's Neighborgate going for you up there in uh, Oakland, Sean? Uh, I can actually report that on Sunday I met with my wonderful neighbor. We had a wonderful conversation, and I think we're all good moving forward. So. I don't, by the way, I don't think this qualifies as a gate. Like, I think, come on, like, there's higher standards for a gate, I think. Uh, okay. Um, can we find out what was discussed? Yeah. What was the, what was discussed? What was the, the consensus is that, you know, he understands that when I'm talking to someone like Will Brinson, occasionally I'm going to have to raise my voice and yell at him because that's frankly what needs to happen. But he also, you know, I also understand that I'm not going to, you know, yell all the time, which I am very prone to doing, which, uh, my dad used to always complain about in high school. Whenever I would have friends over, we'd be downstairs playing video games. Let's buy this guy a carpet, all right? He's in, he's in the upstairs. He's up the floor above you. It's not like he's next door. Get some carpet, pal. Wait, wait a you second. are. Maybe throw some carpet on the floor and then let's, uh, and get some headphones. Play your, like, watch, watch some TV at 9.30. What are you, they're reading Charles Dickens or something? Go to bed. Wait, wait, wait. Brinson, you, you blew past the best part. 
Sean said when he was in high school, his dad would tell him to quit yelling in the basement with his friends. What in God's green earth we're, could he, could, could we're he be We were playing yelling? video games. We were playing like four and four yeah. Halo tournaments. That happened to me all the time. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. You else? boys shut up and go to bed. Sure, Bob. Um, anyway, Bob listens to this podcast. Hopefully you do too. Let's get into the football. The Saints are now 2-0 and without Drew Brees, having taken down the Cowboys in a thrilling 12-10 to game on uh, – it wasn't that thrilling. It was full of flags on Sunday night in New Orleans. Saints has two and a half point dogs. Come away with the win. Next four games for them, Buccaneers, Jaguars, Bears, and Cardinals. They could actually go on a little bit of a run here as Drew Brees gets healthy. Teddy Bridgewater, would you say that he was, uh, Ryan awesome or just good enough? Good enough. He was serviceable and that's all he needed to be. So two starts for Fred, uh, for Freddie. I call him Freddie. That's his nickname. Freddie Bridgewater for Teddy. They've won twice. And I think we were thinking six weeks, if they go three and three, that's best case scenario. So they have a month left perhaps before they get Drew Brees back. There are two wins, four games to go. They're in really good shape. Um, that division, as Sean likes to tell us, is, is up for grabs. Um, my new front runner isn't the Saints. We can talk about that later. But, um, I think this is the first time. The Falcons? Since 1998. <laughs> That the Saints haven't uh, scored a touchdown in a game at the Superdome. I think that's a, the, the, certainly that's since. That's not the, how you do a fun fact. It, Come on. I didn't call it a fun fact. Sim, sim, oh, should have oh, dunked on you, Sean. I mean, you just pulled a Sean right there. Like, come oh, on, did. man. That I'm was a fun to... fact if you set it up right. Well, I just right. saw the tweet before we started. I know Keep it's talking. been since. Keep talking. It's fine. I know it's been since the Drew Brees era and the Sean Payton era. Nonetheless, Sean, they scored 12 points, no touchdowns. They still won. My biggest takeaway isn't that Teddy Bridgewater has another win, and that's great news for him. My big takeaway is that it looks like Jason Garrett got a hold of the play call sheet again. The last two drives, fourth and short, they punt the ball. I have no idea what they're doing. They deserve to lose. I didn't even care when Teddy got sacked to make it fourth and 24 just before the two-minute warning. Gave him a chance to punt, pin him deep, and make this um, Cowboys have to drive the length of the field. They couldn't do it. They had no timeouts. Jason Garrett, uh, the ghost of Jason Garrett, lingers over Kellen Moore. The last time the Saints did not score a touchdown in a home game, as I quickly researched it. Fun fact, December right. 24th, 2005. Wow, fun goes. fact. Good fun fact. Yeah. Uh, that was a uh, team that was led by Todd Bowman. Oh, yeah. And he played against Joe Harrington. 12-13, to 13, Joey and uh, the Lions beat up on the Saints in that game. Uh, so kind of a similar sort of outcome. Are you disappointed if you're the Cowboys here, Breach? Because you're not, I mean, you know, you're 3-1. and one, You're still fine. You know, not a great weekend for the Cowboys in, ter- like in terms of start to finish. You know, you have the, the Eagles win on Thursday. Cowboys lose on Sunday night. Um, does this raise any red flags for you? Do you think it was just the Saints putting on a great defensive performance? Uh, it doesn't at all. Cause here's the thing is that it literally, I had to like kick my TV twice during this game to make sure I wasn't watching the DVR of last year's game. Cause it was literally the exact same game for the first three quarters where no one could score. No one could move the ball. And it's like the Cowboys thought in their heads, Oh, we'll do reverse psychology. We'll do exactly what we did last year. And it'll work this year because it didn't work last year. But then of course it's still, didn't work. And so it's just like the Saints defense has their number. So if I'm the Cowboys, I'm not too concerned. But here is a fun fact. Zeke only ran for 35 yards. They only totaled 45 yards rushing in the entire game. Only the second time in Zeke's career that they have not hit the 50-yard rushing mark as a team. So 
for them to be shut down like that never happens. That even happened last year. Uh, and they just weren't taking any chances downfield. Ryan talked about the play calling. I don't know who kidnapped Kellen Moore. I don't know if he was down on Bourbon Street a little too late on Saturday night or what happened. But this did not look like the Cowboys offense that we saw during the first three weeks. But again, the Saints did this to him last year. And as long as they get back on track against the Packers, not a big deal. But, you know, obviously it was an ugly performance for them. So two things. I think just this performance on its own, I don't think you got to be concerned for Dallas. What is concerning is Tyron Smith leaving the game with what they're calling a high ankle sprain because, as we've seen in years past, he really is kind of the most important player on that team outside of Dak Prescott. Uh, and as someone who, you know, bet on Dak Prescott to win MVP, I kind of feel like if, if Tyron Smith is out a few weeks, that kind of derails Dak Prescott's entire MVP tour. And the other takeaway that I feel like we kind of just glossed over but mentioned I think is, you just glossed over Tyron Smith. I was going to bring that up next. That's a huge problem. When he went down, anytime he's been missing, the Cowboys offense, it doesn't go to – It self-destructs. Yeah. I mean, like he's – you know, people talk about Dak being the Jenga piece or, um, you know, Zeke being the the, 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 the straw that stirs the Cowboys drink. Uh, it's Tyron Smith. And when Tyron Smith is out, the Cowboys are not very good and – I would be a little concerned if I was the Cowboys that a high ankle sprain, which is what Jerry Jones called it, uh, could keep him out, especially when, hello, have you seen their next, uh, their next three weeks? Packers at Jets and then Eagles. Those are three huge. I mean, the Jets is, you know, it's on the road. Darnold should be back. I mean, those are three pretty big games. What's yeah, your other fun fact, Sean? Yeah, I was just, I was just. I was just putting a little meat on the Tyron Smith bone. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't trying to gloss over it. I think that's the most important thing that happened in this game. In I'm, a just, way. I'm just trying to circumcise a mosquito, Sean. Come on. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know if I ever want to hear you say circumcise again. It's like when Breach talked about neutering a cat or whatever. Um, yeah, but that's a serious social issue right now, Sean. You shouldn't make light of it. He was doing a Bob Barker joke, so that's <laughs> yeah, a guy Sean. who. That's a guy who actually you should know because he. Actually, he's not doing any more. Drew Carey took over for him, but The Price is Right. You ever heard of it? He's the yeah, guy that Adam Sandler. I don't think Adam I've Sandler, ever actually watched an episode. Adam Sandler punched him in uh, Happy Gilmore. That's probably what you know. You we know actually, Adam Sandler? We actually reference Happy Gilmore, I feel like, more than any other movie on this podcast, by the way. Uh, no way. I Anyways. I almost, I almost used a Happy Gilmore reference in the in uh, the Sorting the Sunday Bible today. My, uh, my second takeaway was going to be the Saints defense, which we mentioned, because the first three weeks, they were terrible. And we saw this happen last year, too, when they lost to the Buccaneers at home, and I think the Falcons lit them up in week three. Through the first three weeks of the season, we saw Deshaun Watson put 28 on them, the Rams put 27 on them, the Seahawks put 27 on them. Granted, a lot of that came late in the game after the Saints already built a lead. Tonight, they look like the end-of-the-year Saints that we saw last year. Um, and just put in context how bad they were in the first three weeks, they were 28th in DVOA. The only teams worse than them are the Raiders, Chargers, Giants, and Dolphins. So that's a pretty bad company to be in. I think this defensive performance is kind of reminiscent of what I feel like we should see, what we saw last year at the end of the year, what we should see moving forward. And that's a defense that's going to allow them to survive this Teddy Bridgewater uh, stretch. And I know Ryan said that, um, the Saints aren't his favorite in the NFC South. This defense is the reason why I'm more confident now that the Saints are going to be fine post-Drew Brees. And honestly, if Drew Brees is out longer than expected or he's not the same when he comes back, I still think they can win this division because Teddy Bridgewater can clearly manage the game. They have Alvin Kamara. Um, they have a capable backup running back in Murray. Uh, they have Michael Thomas. I, I, I feel like with this defense, this, this team is by far the front runner in the division, even with Teddy Bridgewater. 
Hey, well, Brinson, quickly. Yeah. The, the fun fact I, I didn't get right, and I just looked it up, NFL Research, where Sean gets all his fun facts. It was the first time in Saints the Saints have won a game without scoring a touchdown since Week 8, 1998. They beat the Buccaneers 9-3. to Or won a game without scoring a touchdown. That's that's the fun fact. Nice work. Um, hopefully we, we fill this podcast full of fun facts. So the uh, the Twitter account, at Sean J. Wagner Pod, I believe, who, by the way, asked me, he's like, is Sean upset about this? I was like, ah, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned the uh, Saints as the top team in the division. I would at least posit, as we transition to another team in the division that has a backup quarterback as well, that the Carolina Panthers are basically the same team right now. Um, now, the difference is we think the Saints will get Drew Brees back sooner than the Panthers will get back Cam Newton. But I've heard buzz that Cam might play in London. Which is, would be incredibly short-sighted in my opinion. Uh, but what did the, you make of the vlog where he said he's not going to play until he's completely healthy? Yeah, the, I'm just telling you what I've heard that there's, there's conflicting chatter out there is, is all I'm saying. I don't think he'll play for a while. Um, but the Panthers went into Houston and beat the Texans, a team that was a four to five point favorite over them. They beat them 16 to 10. Deshaun Watson was under pressure all day and, uh, you know, Kyle Allen fumbled a bunch of times, but by and large, the Panthers, uh, yeah, the Panthers did a pretty good job. I mean, they only scored 16 points. It wasn't a shootout that we sort of thought it might be. Are you going to give, uh, C-Mac a shout out? I was about to say that Christian <laughs> McCaffrey, CMC, run CMC. I've mentioned in sort of the Sunday pile. I think he's a viable MVP candidate right now. He has through five, four weeks, 629 scrimmage yards. He is the, Second player in NFL history. Fun fact, Sean. Christian McCaffrey is the second player in NFL history, along with uh, this guy named Jim Brown, who did it in 1963, to record uh, at least 175 scrimmage yards and one touchdown in three of his team's first four games. Uh, McCaffrey is currently on pace for 2,000. <laughs> 2,000. Nah. No. 2,516 scrimmage yards, which would break Chris Johnson's record from 2009. Um, I, I did the, did the math breakdown throughout his career before this year. McCaffrey was averaging 10 and a half carries a game, 5.8 receptions a game, 95.3 scrimmage yards per game. Uh, he's currently averaging 21.5 carries, 6.3 catches and 157 scrimmage yards. This guy's carrying the Panthers sort of like Alvin Kamara is carrying the Saints and along with their defense. And I think both of those guys are viable MVP candidates if their teams make playoff runs. I have one question. Well, one comment first. He was targeted 10 times at 10 receptions. That's huge. Can C-Mac or CMC as some people like to call him? Can he average 25 carries a game and hold up? Well, 21.5, but no, probably not. 25 is too much. I also, I find it funny that throughout the offseason we heard rumors about, oh, the Panthers are going to decrease McCaffrey's workload because they, you know, he, they fed him to death last year. Um, they can't do that again. And then we were looking at the Panthers depth chart once, you know, all the cuts were made and we're like, there's just not really a guy on that roster who could poach carries away from him. And that's exactly what we're seeing so far. I, I actually do love your comparison to the Saints. I do think these teams are a little bit identical. I do think I might give the Saints an edge defensively. Um, and, to, and to your point, I think there's a more viable path to Drew Brees coming back than Cam Newton. That said, um, for all the talk we're giving Gardner Minshew, uh, what Kyle Allen is doing is equally impressive, just like this out-of-nowhere quarterback performance that I don't think anyone really saw coming. Uh, he has proven that he is a viable, you know, 
not just backup, I want to say like starter in the league, um, who if Cam doesn't come back should be able to get a chance to start for some team. And the best part is that Minshew and Kyle Allen are playing each other in week five. We're going to find out if it's Minshew Magic or Amazing Allen that's carrying everyone everywhere. But, you know, back to the Texans-Panthers game, the thing that just blow, blew my mind watching this game is that it was like the Texans' offensive line was watching that Thursday night Titans-Jags game where Marcus Mariota got sacked nine times, and they were like, ha, we can do worse than that because <laughs> – that, for a brief second, gave Marcus Mariota the title of most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year. And boom, out come the Texans. Deshaun Watson, he got smashed in this game. He got absolutely smashed. He got beat up. He got sacked six times. He's now been sacked 18 times on the season, which is second most in the NFL. Behind only Kyler Murray, he's been sacked 20 times. But it is just, that guy takes a beating every single game. And, and you watch a press conference, a post-game press conference, and it looks like his face, his body, his mannerism, it looks like he just finished a heavyweight boxing match every time he's up there. I almost feel sorry for him. Uh, so, hey, Breach, I, he was hit ten times as well. I just counted it up. What, what, what was ten? He took ten hits behind the line of scrimmage as well. Oh, to go along with sex. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, it's brutal being Deshaun Watson, but he's in the completely mediocre AFC South where everyone is two and two, which, fun fact, the first time that has ever happened in the Super Bowl era where four teams in a division are two and two through four weeks. That's a fun fact. Um, did you actually, did you hear Deshaun Watson's press conference after the game? Yeah, but I want to point out one thing. And I want to give Sean credit because if Brinson had tweeted this out, you would have overblown it and made the, the reporter look like a, a dummy. No, I, I, think. I, I agree with it. Well, do you want to listen? Uh, um, I, I listen you you going to play it? I was going to play it if I Okay, could. go ahead. Then I'll, I'll come in. Just give me one second. I'm going to bring it up if uh, my computer. All right. Well, I'll keep talking if you want. Okay. You can keep talking. Okay. So I heard heard Deshaun's comments, and they were actually fantastic. They were very informative for the layperson, which includes the four of us, I would imagine. So I was expecting the, the question to be a, some sort of sarcastic question. by saying, Yeah, me too. Here's the question, actually. You guys can do as an offense to manufacture more opportunities for you to try to try them downfield, or were, was that kind of the only two or three opportunities you had in the game? Uh, I mean, you know what coverage they're playing? Well, you, you said uh, earlier. Yeah, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not. No, no, no. I want to. It's cover four. Yeah. So what the, the safeties are doing, they're playing deep, and they're guarding number two. Corner sink, and they trap two. And so what they're doing is keeping everything in front. The linebackers are playing anything across. Kiki is playing in the middle. He stops everything that crosses the middle. He jumps everything that. And the safeties are charging on number two. So if the safeties are playing low, then we can't take that. We have to hit double moves. Mm -hmm. We did the post because Reed stepped up on two with an out over the top. I didn't hit it. Same thing with Hop. In route, safety jumped up. He went vertical. I didn't hit it. That was the only two. After that, they played back. Mm -hmm. Cover two. Six, Buzz, which is safety. Reed comes in between Keekly, the outside linebacker, plays deep. I got to get rid of the ball. I love the answer. I love the answer. And I, I don't have a problem with the – like, I, people are getting all worked up about it, like you said, Ryan. They're like, wait, did you see this guy got owned by Deshaun Watson? It's like, that's not what happened. It's a great it's answer. A, it's a good question. And it's, frankly, the – kind of answer that reporters usually want but instead what we normally get is just generic coach speak uh you know we got to get better one day at a time we got to look at it and whatnot like those are the answers fans and and writers want and i think part of the problem i think someone pointed out on twitter i think it was matt moore actually yeah. um who was like 
the problem is that when these athletes do interviews for TV, all they want to show is the sound bites. But when you're actually talking to writers, and it's not up to the athlete to know what's the difference, is they actually want those details and they want the actual uh, the jargon that they're using in meetings and whatnot because it helps us understand the game. Like they know the game better than we do. That's why they're playing it. They should help tell us why certain things are happening in football terms. I, and, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rich. I was going to say, and very noble of Deshaun Watson, not to just simply say, uh, did you watch my offensive line? I had one second to throw. I could not – I didn't have no time to throw more than five yards downfield. He could have thrown everyone under the bus. He didn't do it. I, I would like to point out, and um, not to throw Deshaun Watson under the bus, but he missed a lot of throws. He missed a lot of deep throws. Um, he had – he was uh, 0 for 3 on throws that were 20 yards or more down the line of down uh, 20 yards or more down from the line of scrimmage. I don't know why I blanked out there. Downfield. Um, yeah, downfield. Thank you. And just completed two passes that were more than 10 yards. Part of that is 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 being under pressure. But I mean, he had Will Fuller streaking wide open down the field, and if he hits him, they probably win that game. He also missed Hopkins down the field. Hopkins was a total dud. A uh, great job by the Panthers doing a fan two and seven on passes between ten and twenty yards. So two and ten on anything ten yards or more. That's not great. Um, and look, Hopkins finished with five catches for forty-one yards and an interception. He threw an interception, murdering everyone's fantasy team. That tells you what the Panthers did there. They did a smart job. They said we're going to get pressure on Watson using our front front seven, and then we're going to just make sure that he can't beat us deep, which is what he explained in that clip. Yeah, no, I think everyone agrees. Okay. Next question. That's that's Ryan saying I'm trying to go to bed, Brinson. Next game. Uh, You're not going anywhere. I I was actually thinking that I think this has been the best week of the season by far. Wholly unpredictable. Yeah, you don't think this has been the best week of the the season? Um, Games-wise? I agree. They were just so chaotic, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe, sure. Um, There was a lot of scoring in a couple games. There were a, a lot of scoring in the game we'll talk about in a second, and then a lot of teams winning that we thought were done. My coach of the year candidate, I almost pulled one out. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah. yeah. Trisha, yeah. Uh, I will point out too that, um, uh, underdogs of short underdogs in the, uh, NFL this year, 8, 10, and 10. It's like, so like, we're talking like one to short road dog, excuse me, one to like five points, 18 and 10 straight up, like 22, um, and, uh, I think 22 and eight and one against the spread. So like, par- the Carolina did it. We've just seen these, the like home field advantage might not matter as much anymore. And we've seen all these teams really go on the road and, and win those games. So I don't know. Just I think road teams went, does this sound right? 11 and three this week? Uh, yeah, that yeah. would sound right with tomorrow's, with Monday night's game. Yeah. About so they went 11 and three four. in week four. Yep. Um, okay. Moving along. Oh, here it is. Uh, sorry. Giles Gallant of Odd Shark had it. I, I lost it there for a second. Road underdogs in week four with closing spreads of six or less finished five and two straight up and now 18 11 straight up overall in 2019 up 16 units. If you're money lying, money lying these dogs. Um, they're also 28 and one against the spread. So that's maybe a trend to target. We'll see if, you know, lines adjust, but if you're betting on them early, look for a uh, short road underdogs and take them on the money line. They're very profitable right now uh, and hit them on the spread as well. The, Another another great example. But actually, this team is at home and they were favorites. This is a terrible example. But if the New York Football Giants took care of business handily, Ryan, they beat up your boy Dwayne Haskins mm. and embarrassed him, frankly. And uh, Jay Gruden is probably getting fired. Yeah, I love the headline that um, don't worry for about Jay Gruden because he'll end up in uh, Las Vegas next year with his brother. Uh, I'm sure that will magically fix everything. 
So I was in Buffalo. You may have heard that. Uh, what were the circumstances under which Case Keenum was yanked from the game? Because we know that's Jay Gruden's guy. And why would they insert? Uh, it was partially partial injury, partial performance. Oh, okay. Because I looked at the line, and, and um, Keenum's line didn't look that terrible. But uh, I checked he the was, box score at the end of the was, game. He was sailing past it. I mean, he, he, you could tell he wasn't comfortable. He was, I think his foot was bothering him and he couldn't make the throws he needed to make. But I mean, Brandon Scherf and Terry McLaurin were ruled out on, on Sunday morning. This team is a skeleton crew out there. In fact, you tweeted before the game that under no circumstances after the uh, injury report came out, can you put, uh, Dwayne Haskins out there? So of course, uh, what do you do? You, you put Dwayne Haskins out there. They had eight, looked, eight first downs. He looked terrible against the worst defense in the NFL. I'm not going to blame Dwayne Haskins. I, I'll go back and watch the game on Monday. Um, after I do all your podcasts for you and get a get a better idea, but I'm just going to guess after 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 not having seen anything that this had very little to do with Dwayne Haskins and everything to do with the turmoil and chaos that is the Washington Redskins, a team that uh, we talked about on on the um, YouTube show that's on YouTube, but we didn't publish an Apple podcast, so check that out on YouTube. We said that um, I think all of us agreed the Giants and the Dolphins are two of the worst teams. In, I'm sorry, the Redskins and the Dolphins are two of the worst teams in the NFL. Except one team actually seems to have a plan in terms of accumulating draft picks. The other team has no plan other than uh, an owner and a GM that seem to be at odds with everyone else in the organization. The crazy thing about this is that I feel like Jay Gruden is either trying to get fired or he's literally a week or two away from just firing himself and walking away because this whole thing is a disaster. If you're going to st- put Dwayne Haskins in the game, this is literally the last time you should have, like, this should have been last, the emergency break the hatch book where you put Haskins in the middle of the game. If you're going to play him, you tell him on Tuesday he's the starter so that he gets practice reps with the first team all week. You don't throw him into the game in the middle of the second quarter with, when you're down an offensive lineman, down your best receiver, there is no way he can succeed in that. And here's the thing. There were multiple reports over the past week that Gruden didn't want to play him because he wasn't ready. So it's almost like Gruden put him in there just to spite Daniel Snyder, Bruce Allen, like, oh, you guys want me to put him in there? Well, I'll throw him in. Well, I'll show you how good he is right now. And then, boom, what happens, exactly what Gruden probably thought was going to happen, is Haskins barely completes 50% of his passes, and he throws three interceptions. I mean, the whole team is a total dumpster fire right now. Gruden, I, I like... I, I would just wouldn't want to be any part of this organization. I don't know how he's lasted four weeks. He needs to just walk away tomorrow, hitch, hitchhike to Vegas, then hitchhike to Oakland, and, and hang, fly to London, hang out with John, do whatever, just get away from this team. There's, I mean, there's no one that can help them. I mean, like, they just don't have anybody. Like, they, they, they're leaning on a, a, a rookie who has one season of college starts Adrian Peterson, who is older than Sean, by a lot. He's closer in age to you and Breach. Yeah. Um, I said older than Ryan. Their number one receiver was Chris Thompson, a third down back, who had four catches for 56 yards. Their number two receiver was Jeremy Sprinkle, a tight end who once got arrested at Arkansas for something silly like shoplifting at a Walgreens or something like that. Uh, he had one catch for 20 yards. Yes, Breach. Oh, no, it was the Belk thing, wasn't it? Is it the, was he getting suspended for the bowl game for shoplifting at Belk at the Belk Bowl? Is that him? That would be awesome if it's true. What, what's Breach waving? Is he waving at yeah. a clock? What's he doing? Oh, no, my camera froze, so I was trying to fix it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he thought you were signaling. <laughs> Jeremy Sprinkle. Jer- this is a true fact. Jeremy Sprinkle 
was suspended from the Arkansas Belk Bowl trip because he shoplifted at a Belk department store in Charlotte while at the Belk. So he went to the Belk Bowl and got suspended from the Belk Bowl for shoplifting and from Belks, <laughs> even though he had already gotten a $450 gift card as part of the Belk Bowl package. By the way, do, Belks. do Breach and Sean know what Belks is? No. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? I was you like, yeah, I, I, I went to Belks all the time. It's like uh, generic in wherever I used to live. Every, I've lived everywhere, Wilson. Must have Belks, been in, Belks is it's in a, the Bay Area. Is in Oakland? You it's a department Oakland. store, right? Yeah, it's a department store. You oh, can yeah. buy you can buy khakis there. It's like the a Belk, Macy's. It's a the Southern Belk, Macy's. The, I know the Belk family. They're from Charlotte. Uh, here we there, go. The, there's three locations in Nashville, Wilson. My God. Oh, right now? Yeah, right now. Oh, I don't think there's a the location in the Bay Area. Cool. Yeah, there's not. Well, there's one in Dunn, North Carolina, if you're ever there. Uh, let me ask Ed this quickly. Bre- uh, Breach mentioned that he doesn't Dunn like- is a hellhole. Have you have you seen so tangent time? I'll t- I'll I will if Dunn. This is this is hard to explain. But my in-laws moved. Is to it better or worse than your Zeke getting jacked up story? Because I don't. If it is, it's worse than that. Don't tell <laughs> my buddy Zeke got jacked up jacked up against the wall by that Carolina yeah, quarterback. Yeah. Um, it's probably worse. Just move on. Okay. I was going to say, um, to follow should... up, quickly, and then you can talk, Sean. Um, Reed mentioned that Jay Gruden should, should quit. I, it reminded me of, do you remember when, um, uh, what's his name, Bobby Petrino just walked out on the Falcons? Yeah. Yes. And ironically, went back to Arkansas. Went back to Arkansas. <laughs> that, that should be the game plan for Jay Gruden. Just I quit. feel like when the Raiders are flying back from London, they can just stop in Washington, pick him up, and then he can yeah. join. He can give a press conference with the next race on. What's a worse, what's a worse situation? Um, what's going on in Washington right now or yes. having your quarterback go to prison? Cause I think well, what's going on in Washington might be worse. Mike Vick got out and he actually had some success with the Eagles. I mean, I mean from a standpoint of trying to win football games, Sean. Well, the next year, guess, well, the next year they drafted Matt Ryan. So still the Washington Redskins are, are the worst. The next, uh, five games for the, uh, well, here's the question. And look, we should talk about the Giants too because they won the game. Daniel Daniel Dimes looked fine. Daniel Jones was okay. Uh, but do you start Dwayne Haskins against the Patriots in Week Five? No Under circumstances. Yeah. Throwing him to the Wolves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as we mentioned on our YouTube show, YouTube.com/slash/GBSSports, you can get exclusive. Uh, we got a, like a twenty-minute little YouTube hit where you break down line, look at lines. Patriots are minus fourteen and a half. Uh, it's actually it opened up at like thirteen. It's it's moved up to fifteen and a half. Um, at the Westgate, and so I would expect that that keeps climbing. And if Haskins is announced as the starter, it it should get to twenty. They can't score against the. They can't score. I, you see the Patriots defense did the Luke Falk and Josh Allen. I mean, they'll do that times infinity to Dwayne Haskins. He threw three interceptions against one of the worst defenses of the NFL. He will throw seventeen interceptions against the Patriots if he starts next Sunday. He will throw seventeen interceptions with only three pass attempts. That's how bad it will. Why be. is that over under forty six when it was forty two for the Bills? That's weird. I guess the Redskins defense stinks. Yeah, the Bills defense is amazing. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll get to we'll, we get it. You went to Buffalo. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, the Giants. Any impressed by the Giants at all? They're now two uh, two and zero. Oh. I was actually going to make a point that's critical of them, which was Wayne Gallman. Had a ton of success filling in he's, for he's Saquon not, Barkley. He's not, he's not good. He's not good, but the whole point is is that you can plug in a not good running back, and he's going to have uh, 24 touches, math, 118 yards, and two touchdowns from scrimmage. Like, that that 
performance from Wayne Gallman was the exact argument against taking a player as good as Saquon Barkley is at number two, because if you can get that kind of production out of the running back position with unknown guys, you don't need Saquon Barkley. See, I would disagree because that's not good production. He had 3.5 yards. He had three yards. And he had 9.2 yards per reception. That's that's okay. No one running back? That's good. No one on planet Earth is taking Wayne Gallman over Saquon Barkley. Wait a minute. No, no, no. You don't get a – that's taking it out of context. Next question. Let's go. I'm saying I would rather have Wayne Gallman as an undrafted free agent wherever he – they got him from. What's that? Debo's telling me – hold on. Debo just gave me a note. Uh, He says that, Sean, you got dunked on. (laughs) Oh! I thought thought he was going to say I was starting to get too loud and we're on neighbor watch. Uh, No, no, no. Look, I mean, look, we we don't need to get into the whole running back debate here. I'll just tell you that Wayne Gallman was – he put up fantasy numbers and rewarded anyone who drafted him on the waiver wire, but he wasn't efficient and he wasn't good and he fumbled and he tried to let the Redskins back in and any other NFL team except for maybe Miami probably beats the Giants in this game because I mean, Haskins threw a pick six. I mean, they, they, the Redskins are awful and I just don't see how they're going to win any games. Can the Giants at two and two climb back into this division race? Yeah, they're going to win it. Of course not. They're terrible. Vikings at Patriots, they're probably going to lose their next two. Um, and then they have the Cardinals, Lions, Cowboys, and Jets before their Week 11 bye. Could they- that said, I'm happy that Daniel Jones is playing. And don't misunderstand me when I say they're not a good football team. Mostly that's the defense, and you know they traded away some guy named Odell Beckham. But I'm glad he's playing, but they're not good. Sure. I mean, they could have maybe stolen one of those earlier games with Daniel Jones instead of Eli Manning. Yeah. Um Okay, uh, let's talk about a game that Sean attended, the Bills and Patriots game. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Ryan was there. Ryan. I got uh, married there. You guys didn't see? There was a wedding. There was a wedding at mid, at, at halftime. That was amazing. There was a wedding there. Yeah. Uh, it was, that's why Ryan went. <laughs> I was, the, you didn't see me? I was the, the ring bearer. I thought you were the best man. No, I was supposed to be, but he got mad at me, so I had to be the ring bearer. All right, Ryan, I want your, uh, I think the best man wore Zubass pants, and that's not an exaggeration. I I believe it. What do you think? Do you think – is there a chance that we're more impressed with the Bills, even though they lost, than with the Patriots after that game? Because I was really impressed with the Bills. It's funny you say that because I asked our editor, R.J. White, who is actually a Bills fan, should I write about the Bills defense or the Patriots defense? Because the Bills defense absolutely shut down Tom Brady. He finished 18 of 39 for 150 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, which is worse than Daniel Jones' stat line. I'm guessing it's not as bad as Dwayne Haskins, but it's in that neighborhood. So if you saw those three stat lines together, you would not be able to match which stat line went with which player. And he threw, I think, two passes on the day longer than 10 yards down the field. One was a 31-yard crossing route to Josh Gordon because the defender fell down, and Josh Gordon caught the ball 10 yards out and ran for 21 more yards. Everything else, he was um, harassed. Teams typically don't blitz. Tom Brady, they were blitzing Tom Brady and getting him off the spot. I don't think he was sacked, but they did plenty, plenty of um, harassed him enough to, to make him uncomfortable. Julian Edelman dropped a couple passes, which is uncharacteristic. We know he was hurt. That defense is lights out. And if Josh Allen did not play his worst game of the season and maybe one of the, the worst games of his career, they win that game, and they might win it easily. Uh, he threw three interceptions. He got the doo-doo knocked out of him at the beginning of the fourth quarter. On, on it was a dirty hit. J.C. Jackson crushed him. Uh, yeah, and he wasn't ejected, and your your buddy Al Riveron explained afterwards why he wasn't ejected, and I don't think anyone understood it. Matt Barkley well, came in. He reviewed the call and determined that the <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Go back to sleep, Al. Matt Barkley came in, and there were some – you got the sense that people were expecting him to do what you know Kyle Allen may have done or Danny Dimes may have done, and his first pass was like a 30-yard one down 
30-yard completion down the sidelines, and then he threw an interception in the game. So, uh, yeah, he ain't the answer. But, uh, uh, here's the, here's the actually you tweeted out and Vic Carucci, uh, was the pool reporter who spoke to our river on. Well, we looked at it in this situation. We didn't feel that contact rose to the level of an ejection. That player obviously actually turns. Obviously there is helmet contact, but we have standards for an ejection and this did not rise to that standard. Therefore we did not eject him. There's a foul called and obviously the penalty stood, but we did not feel this contact rose to that level. Did you feel at the time, Ryan, that it did? Well, I watched him from the press box. He went down like a ton of bricks. And Josh Allen, as Sean likes to point out, is a running back. He runs hard. And it was clearly helmet to helmet. I didn't see the head turn. I only saw one replay. Um, I know that Bill's players were not happy and they were ready to throw down. It may have been on that play where there was a holding call in addition to the personal. It was. I was about to rain on that. That is, they've got to change that. It's it's so insane. If you have a hold and like a helmet to helmet hit that's ejection worthy on the same play, it wipes out the helmet to helmet hit, which is just like, what are you trying to do? Don't you want to yeah. enforce it? Hey, Breach, do you think that if, uh, let's say hypothetically Micah Hyde had done the same hit on Tom Brady, would he have stayed in the game? Micah Hyde would have been thrown out of the entire NFL, like not just <laughs> ejected from the game, but suspend, banned for life if you do that to Tom. I mean, earlier this season, we saw, the Miami Dolphins player, be he was told to stay off Brady, and he didn't even hit Brady. He, like, love-tapped him and hugged him and then let him go because uh, Brady threw the ball. So the guy literally stopped in his tracks just to not tackle Brady, and the ref was like, yo, man, you need to stay off Tom. And now Josh right. Allen almost gets murdered on the field, and they're just like, oh, yeah, it wasn't an illegal hit. The guy was trying to get out of the way, so we didn't eject him. Like, I, I think you do have to eject the player there, especially since it's the quarterback Maybe if it's a running back, receiver, a different player, you throw the flag, don't eject. But you make that hit on a quarterback because your, your helmet is near where the helmet was, at, which means you're likely going to have a helmet-to-helmet collision. You got to eject. So I think I do think that should have been ejection is kind of dumb that it wasn't. Uh, hey, by the way, quickly, I don't know if you guys saw this tweet. Before the game, Sean McDermott had to run off Bill Belichick's yeah. son and another assistant who were snooping around. I can't imagine what they were looking at on the field that – no one else could have seen. But. Uh, Sean Sean Wagner's got a take on this. Uh, uh, anyone can see clearly what's uh, <laughs> occurring on the field. I mean, it's not even worth. It's not even worth having a take. Like he's mad that it's poor Patriots form. assistant it's, coaches are watching warmups when the entire stadium can. Like I just, it seems poor, ridiculous. It's, it's poor form. It was during a point when it was only the Bills out there. It's not the same. It's not both teams warming up, right? And it's poor form to have two assistants, including your son, lurking around the sidelines. Yeah, but I think what what Sean's saying is, though, is that Belichick's son literally could have just bought a ticket to the game and sat in the stands and watched warm-ups, and no one could have done anything. They could have Maybe coaches the up party. already in like yeah, the suites where the coaches coach from looking that's at different, it, so. but That's different than being on the sideline and hearing the coaching points that he's saying to like the players. I'm, if you're making coaching points that late that are that secretive, then what are you doing all week? Thank you, Coach. I mean, I think it's a non-story. Well, first of all, Sean McDermott did a hell of a job coaching this game because he held Tom Brady to 3.9 no, no. yards for attempt. So, lowest of his career in a victory. Yeah. And if Bill Belichick and the Patriots had cheated and knocked Josh <laughs> Allen out, then the Bills might have won that go. game. Here we go. You, What was your original question? Like, should we be more impressed with the Bills than the Patriots? This is my problem with the Bills is we knew this defense was this good. They were the second-best defense last year by DVOA, so I'm not surprised what they did to the Patriots' offense. Because And also, through the first three weeks of the season— You're not the surprised that they held Tom Brady at 18-39 for 150 yards? No. Do you know why Sean's not surprised? Because the Bills are the AFC's version of the Bears with a 
amazing sure. defense and a trash quarterback. Sure. sure. <laughs> that's why that's what I, that's why I'm still Look, I think the Bills can and probably will make the playoffs because their defense is that good. But that is why I'm still going to be low on the Bills come January. It's because they do have a liability at quarterback. Yes, like Breach said, just like the Bears have a liability at quarterback. I would take Josh Allen 100 times out of 100 over Trubisky. I would. <laughs> but... That's You're just stuck in your little corner. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you want to compare their stats, it's not even close. Is it not close? Who's it's how not much? close. Josh Who's, Allen's 2018 season was significantly worse than Mitch Trubisky's 2018 season. That was Trubisky's second year. I mean, that's half sure. of Trubisky, well, that's, Trubisky's, uh, Trubisky's never had a good game against a good defense. I would have to go look at the game log. Oh, uh, go ahead. Mr. Expert suddenly doesn't know all the, all the details. <laughs> Some, yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, sorry, I, I'm sorry I don't remember Mr. Trubisky's entire game Sean log. Sean is having a conversation as he gets dunked on. I mean, I'll, I'll put Hello, it, sir. Josh Allen's stats by the end of this year will not be what Trubisky's stats did in year two last year. Sean, quit trying to take the charge. Sean's like, Sean's like pointing out, he's like, Mitchell Trubisky had a much better year with his brand new offensive coordinator in his second season and a brand new offense than Josh Allen had as a rookie playing for the Buffalo Bills with the worst offensive line. It was actually football season with his new offensive coordinator, not his second. In his second overall year with his first year as an offense. Anyway. Sean's um, neighbor is going to be like, why'd you get so upset at 1230 at night? Why were you yelling about Mitchell Trubisky? That guy's not even good. I don't think Trubisky's good. Oh my God, Susie, uh, Susie this guy hates Josh Allen. Who's <laughs> Susie? Don't Sean, know. don't get evicted. Hey, Stan, Stan, you won't believe what my neighbor said. He hates. Do you Josh. guys not disagree that we knew the Bills' defense was good, but this offense against a good defense is straight doo doo? No one See, knew. Yeah, here's, and here's here's where I will disagree. The Patriots had the best defense in football, and it's the best defense Bill Belichick's ever had, and that's saying something. Yeah. And the, the best the best defense he's ever had in New England. Yeah, he, he had Lawrence Taylor in New York as a head coach. Yes, in, okay. Uh, that, was, that was a, that was a well actually moment from from preacher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean I think that and what's interesting about the defense and this is I wrote about I didn't want to write about the Patriots defense because Ryan wrote about it too. But I am curious what you think, Ryan. The the fascinating thing for me is that they use I believe you know in the wake of Bill Belichick saying that like he doesn't use analytics and doesn't care about analytics and all that stuff. I think he used. He was ahead of the curve on analytics because I think he built this defense from the back end. He built based on coverage over pass rush, which is what that whole hubbaloo was about this summer, this offseason, when PFF released that study. Right. He said coverage is more important than pass rush. And I think Bill Belichick realized that a few years ago, and he started to put together this defense that is based on covering people. That's why he paid big for Stephon Gilmore. Um, you know, they traded they, Chandler Jones. Traded Chandler, Got rid of Jamie Collins. Yeah, brought Jamie Collins back. Of course, and now he's awesome again <laughs> after he sucked for millions of dollars with the Browns. Um, and I just think that Belichick is like he he's li- I mean, he's lying when he says he doesn't care about analytics. He loves analytics. Analytics are the backbone, even if it's just economics and mathematics. It's still analytics, right? It's the backbone of what the Patriots do. But Ryan, uh, what did you think about watching again and in person for the fourth straight week this? situation where like a quarterback just has to sit there and pat the ball and pat the ball and look and look and look and there's just nobody open ever these guys have days to rush the passer so i actually i would chart the plays as they were happening just so i would remember when i was writing things to get ideas so the bills ran primarily three and four wide receiver sets the entire game they usually had um frank gore in the backfield or or tj yeldon mostly frank gore and you would have devin mccordy playing a single high safety four defensive backs 
playing man underneath, and under no circumstances can any of those guys get open, the Bills wide receivers. Now, granted, they have John Brown, who's a speedster, uh, not necessarily uh, good at running routes underneath. They have Zay Jones, who some people want to trade for. Uh, who do they want to trade for? A late-round pick, and what's what, what was the? Lacon Shredwell? Is that what we're talking about? No. Remember the who tweeted about <laughs> trading Zay Jones in a late round pick for? Oh, uh, our colleague Chris Trapasso. Who do you want to get? He wanted to get Stefan Diggs for. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I knew it was a Vikings. Zay guy. Jones. I remember, yeah. 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 So Zay Jones ain't running the same routes as Stephon Diggs. Uh, Cole Beasley, you know, he is Wes Welker, Edelman, whoever you want him to be. He ran some underneath routes, but he's getting five yards catch. Um, and uh, one of their best players was Dawson Knox, the, the rookie tight end. But Devin McCourty would play center field. He would watch whatever um, Josh Allen was doing, which was typically holding the ball way too long. He never got the ball out on time. The very first series of the game, Josh Allen throws a jump ball in the middle of the field. He doesn't see Devin McCourty there. I would imagine all last week they said Devin McCourty is not going to move out of center field. Whatever you do, make sure you move him with your eyes or whatever. He throws it right to him, and Devin McCourty gets his fourth interception in four games. I think he had four interceptions in the previous 68 games. So that should tell you at what high, how high of a level he's playing. First, so, Patriot, first player in – Patriots franchise history to record an interception is at least uh, in each of his first four games of the season, and the first in the NFL since Brian Russell did it in 2003. Yeah, so the defense is dominating, as you point out. I mean, they have guys getting after it up front. I mean, they have Michael Bennett. They have Chase Winovich, the third-round pick. He had a tr- hit a sack late in the game. Um, Jamie Collins had the interception, uh, who's an insane athlete, but it starts in the back. It starts with Steph Gilmore. It starts with uh, Devin McCourty. And Devin McCourty might be the most important player in that defense right now, right now which sounds nutty to say, but I think it's true. Um, yeah, we're nice. And by the way, uh, two more notes. The Patriots' 27 points allowed are the uh, fewest that have been allowed since uh, 2010 through four games. And that, of course, includes, um, I guess, you know, gar- garbage time stats and everything. And the one touchdown they gave up finally this season, do you know how it was scored? Did you guys see it? Uh, Josh Allen Rush, right? A jump over the line at the one yard line. He got it over by half inch and someone punched it out of his hands and knocked it back to the twenty. But I mean it was a touchdown. But that it even was, I think there was a third and goal from the one, their third try. That I it mean was pretty you, much what Case Keenum was trying to do Friday right, night yeah, right. at midfield. <laughs> and, and real quick to put into perspective how well the Bills defense played, uh the Patriots two touchdowns, the first one was set up by a Josh Allen interception, so the Patriots had a short field, and the second one was off a block punt return for a touchdown. So the Bills' defense was arguably just as good as the Patriots' defense in this game. And I think the one person who we haven't mentioned that we absolutely should is Frank Gore, who at 75 years old somehow <laughs> hit the 100-yard mark against what is inarguably the best defense in the NFL right now. So I thought that was actually, of anyone on the field, I thought Gore had the most impressive single-person performance in this game. Uh, Gore joined Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, and Barry Sanders – as the only four people with more than 15,000 rushing yards, uh, 1521 for Gore in his career. Put Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame. I need, I want Is this Frank- a debate? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize, it out. yeah, I didn't realize until PFT tweeted it out that there are a lot of naysayers. Oh, I yeah. thought he was always a lock. No, people don't want to put him in. They think he's a compiler. Uh, by the way, one more, two more fun facts. Um, it's just, Never translate. But, but it is more impressive at running back to be a compiler because that, you know, because we see so many guys fade when they hit 30. So and I think a, that is actually. Is Adrian Peterson a Hall of Famer? Yes. Yes. Slammed up first. He's he was the best running back of his generation for a number of years. 
I can't believe that. Yeah. Frank Gore's and, never and NFL been, MVP. Frank, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 2012. That was sort of my point to McCaffrey too. Like he's up there. And, um, Frank Gore's never had, Frank Gore's never been the number one back. Do you think he's ever been a, like a top three back? Like, I don't know. Like it's close. Yeah. Um, by the way, the Patriots, the only team, only one of two teams since 2000. Fun fact. One of two teams since, since 2000 to have 15 sacks and 10 interceptions in their first four games joining the 2012 Chicago Bears. They have 10 interceptions already? Yeah. Good Lord. They had, three against, they had three against Josh Allen and one against Barkley. By the way, the other thing, too, about the coverage stuff, like Josh Allen, you could tell he got impatient and he really just forced the ball down the field. Like he just couldn't. He's It's something a veteran quarterback wouldn't do. And, and well, the, the, the agonizing thing was he would get impatient four seconds into the play and then heave something off balance down the field and it would be intercepted either because it was underthrown or because he threw it right to Devin McCourty. It wasn't like it came out quickly and it was just a poor throw. He's also, as Sean will love to hear, wildly inaccurate even on like the slants that you have to hit on time, even on the crossing routes you have to hit on time, to watch it from you know the press box, you're like, oh, my God, he's not helping anyone with these throws. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will rip through the rest of Sunday's action. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, few more points to go for a few more points in uh, the Buccaneers Rams game than we got in the uh, the Bills Patriots game. Fifty five to forty. Did it hit the over? Uh, it did. At one point, the live over was like seventy one and a half. I was like, I can't bet that. <laughs> and like, I was like, I shouldn't have bet that. Um, I almost got it at like fifty two. I mean, it was just a scoring fest. Ninety five total points. Javis Winston, twenty eight of forty one, three hundred eighty five yards and four touchdowns. I also threw a pick six because Jameis. Um, fifth career game with 375 passing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, that's equals Aaron Rodgers and Tony Romo for their careers. Chris Godwin and the, uh, the yo-yo that is the, the Buccaneers receiver who goes bananas. Uh, had 12 catches, 172 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he's, uh, he's one shy of the one was one shy of the franchise record for receptions of the game. Shaq Barrett, Sean, your boy went nuts again. Four tackles, one sack, a forced fumble, an interception, nine sacks of the season. And Jared Goff had the worst 500-yard passing game in NFL history. Yeah, I think that Jared Goff, like, 
I mean, I guess we should talk about the Bucks because talk about whatever you want. But the Jared Goff thing to me is, I mean, because they just gave him a contract, and we were saying before they gave him the contract, they probably shouldn't give him a contract. They they'd be better off just letting McVay handpick another cheap rookie. And I think that's what's going to be proved out because if you look at his numbers since December, and that is right after that Chiefs-Rams game, which broke all those offensive records, and he looked awesome, Mahomes looked awesome, it looked like the future of football. So since last December, he's thrown 13 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, and that includes the playoffs. In his last 13 games, he's fumbled 14 times. So I don't think it's suddenly a case where Goff has just suddenly gotten worse. I think it's a case where the offensive line in front of him has gotten a little bit worse. The running game has taken a substantial step back uh, because December was right around that time when Todd Gurley's mysterious knee injury popped up, and they kind of lost their ability to run the ball as well as they um, did in the first year and a half of the Jared Goff, Sean McVay era, and it's continued at the beginning of this season with Todd Gurley being mostly non-existent. And so I think once those uh, the, once those two pillars of the Rams' offense has disappeared, it's proven that Goff isn't the guy who can suddenly you know spearhead the offense and be the guy leading the charge forward. So I think this is a major problem moving forward. And I mean, I've not I've been low on the 49ers, but there's a part of me that wants to rank them third in the NFC West behind the Seahawks and 49ers. Dude, the Rams. Yes. Yeah. Mm, interesting. By the way, fun fact. Jared Goff. I feel like we're overusing the fun facts, but yeah, we probably are. It's fine. Jared Goff, the first player. Oh, no, uh, actually, this is not a fun fact. This is a bad. <laughs> oh, uh, come on, guys. That was doo doo. That was come on. Uh, I thought it was. I, if I, I had done that, you guys would have been all screaming at me, right? Well, now. Yeah, but Brinson doesn't spend every podcast talking about fun facts like you and I, Sean. So he gets uh, he gets a pass here. There have been. Uh, this is the twenty second five hundred yard game in NFL history. Jared Goff will have uh, the lowest yards per attempt of all those quarterbacks at 7.60. Ben Roethlisberger in 2017 had uh, 7.67. Many- only Phil- and then Philip Rivers in 2015 had 7.74. Those are the only three guys below eight. Uh, he threw the ball 68 times. That's insane. Three interceptions. They were terrible interceptions, and he was missing guys everywhere. I mean, he was missing like there were wide open guys he was missing. I almost wonder if he might be hurt. What about the um, the Jameis Winston afternoon? They had four touchdowns in the first six possessions. We know that a lot of those are because of turnovers. Since you didn't pipe up during the uh, Panthers talk, and since you laughed when I suggested the Falcons, I'm guessing this might be your uh, you're in on the Buccaneers. Well, here's the thing. Here, here's what I want to ask. Can't in poorly. Oh, I've said so many crazy things. This is won't even make the list. This won't even be a blip on the radar. But in the off season, we're saying, okay, if anyone can fix Jameis Winston, it's going to be Bruce Arians. Uh, the stupid comments about backing up to kick a field goal aside, I feel like Jameis Winston has made progress. Yes, as you point out, he's going to throw a pick six every game. That's just part and parcel of what you get in Jameis Winston. But he is not playing as terribly as he, as he has played previously in his career. And this team is winning football games. So I feel like there's progress being made. Now, how much progress? Do they want to bring him back on a big deal? That's a question I have to decide as we go through this. But I think they've could, they could have gotten on top gotten off to a much worse start than they have now. And the fact that they beat the Rams is a huge development, no matter how much Jared Goff is responsible for them winning that football game. But here's the thing, is that 55-40 to 40 obviously looks like, oh, the Buccaneers are for real. And But we've already dunked on Goff, and here is why I wasn't exactly impressed with the Buccaneers. It was like Jared Goff just handed it. He bought 
a silver platter with his $110 million in guarantees and then handed the game to the Buccaneers on a silver platter. Here, let's go through his three interceptions real quick. First interception turned into a Buccaneers touchdown. So they got the ball in a short field, 50-yard drive, score a touchdown. Second interception led to a Buccaneers touchdown on a nine-yard drive. Third interception led to a Buccaneers touchdown also on a short field. So that's three touchdowns off of three Jared Goff interceptions. Now, wait, there was also a fourth turnover in the fourth quarter in which the Rams were – they were still in the game. They, had, they were down 21 to nothing because of Goff's and crazy interceptions, just throwing it to Buccaneers players like they were wearing Rams helmets. And so what are the fourth quarter are somehow still in the game? Goff gets hit, fumbles it, and Ndamukong Sue returns it for a touchdown. So that is four touchdowns that single-handedly were given up by Jared Goff. I mean, I, to me, this was just 100% one guy had a horrible day, completely lost the game. And, and, I mean, the Buccaneers obviously took advantage of it. Chris Godwin looked awesome. Shaq Barrett looked awesome. But this, to me, doesn't say, hey, the Buccaneers are now the top of the heap in the NFC because they knocked off the defending NFC champs. This was, my God, they need to get a refund on Jared Goff's contract. The um, crazy story, a uh, good find by Peter Schrager, friend of the podcast, uh, Good Morning Football, who does uh, Fox Sports sideline stuff. I guess he was doing this game out in L.A. Uh, but he, uh, Jason Light, the, the Bucks GM's father, died on Saturday. And Jason Light left and to go and, and be with the, uh, be with his, you know, family. And apparently the team said they dedicated this game to him and they FaceTimed with him after the, after the, after the game for the locker room. What's crazy is that, uh, his father got ill on Saturday at the Nebraska Ohio State game and then later passed away. He, obviously a huge Nebraska fan. His favorite Nebraska player ever, Indomitian Sue. And then Sue had that that uh, that fumble taken to the house at the end to seal the victory. So that's kind of a cool story. Uh, it is a cool story. Thing? Uh, and Debo put these stats together, presumably to dunk on John. So the first two games of the season, James threw for 400 yards, completed 59% of his pass, passes, two touchdowns, three interceptions, 6.6 yards per attempt. The last two games, which had nothing to do with Jared Goff throwing interceptions because it was Jameis Winston Dunking on John, 765 yards, 65% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, 9.8 yards per attempt. So Jameis is getting better. Jared Goff obviously is not. I mean, that no one's going to argue that. I know you're making a face, Brinson, but Jameis is not getting worse. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that. Like, this is a two-game sample. Like, I, like yeah, let's, I, let's I, wait I a little bit. He's had, and one of those games it. was a 32-31 loss to the New York Giants in which a quarterback for that team was a rookie starting the first game of his career. Also, uh, Jameis Winston um, has always been the like hot and cold quarterback where yeah. the reason he's such a tease is because he has these performances and every coach thinks, okay. oh, if we can just coach the bad game out of him. And I actually think we saw a lot of the bad Jameis in this game. Specifically, we've mentioned the pick six. We're not mentioning the context of that pick six, which were the Bucks were up two scores in the fourth quarter. All he needed to do was not turn the ball over. And on third or down, throw he pick forced, six. Yeah, he, he, in third down, he forces the ball into like triple coverage and it's returned for a touchdown. And that to me was like, Jameis can always put up these big numbers, but he's always going to be Jameis. And Cam Newton no. should have medically been in a wheelchair in week two, and he bare, the Bucks only won that game by six points. Like, you guys, if you trying guys to have anyone that Jameis Winston's having some sort of MVP season, that's just insane. He is. Well, oh, dunked on. I, I do. I, yeah, I think you're getting dunked on here, Ryan. Um, I think. <laughs> no, I just think that. Um, getting reverse layup, Don. This pod, <laughs> this podcast can beat a joke into the ground. The. Um, <laughs> I do, I do wonder though, like, 
sort of looking at the context of four weeks of, of game action, we were convinced, you know, maybe that the Rams were a really good defense, but they played Cam in week one and he wasn't help. He clearly wasn't right. Um, they got, uh, half of Drew Brees in week two and then Teddy Bridgewater. And then they got Baker Mayfield on that bad offensive line for the Browns in, in week three. Like, I wonder, maybe it was sort of a paper tiger situation with the Rams defense. Like, maybe they're not quite as good as we thought. And then conversely, if we look at Jameis's production, let's, let's say, let's say that the Rams maybe aren't that good. Okay. They're, they're all right on defense. They obviously had a bad day at the office on Sunday. Uh, in week three, lit up the Giants, who are one of the worst pass defenses in football. Um, and then in week, but weeks one and two, he struggled against the, uh, the 49ers and Panthers, who I think might actually have two very good defenses. So I sort of wonder if maybe there's a little bit of a correction here. And the next two games will know because Jameis Winston at New Orleans uh, in week five and then gets the Panthers in week six in London. Those should be two tougher matchups for him. If, if he doesn't play well in the next two weeks, then um, I, I look forward to you uh, revisiting this situation, Ryan. And if Let's, they get 2-0, and what are John and Sean going to do? You can come on this podcast on Sunday night and be like, I'm dunking on you mofos. Like he's about to dunk on us about Chase Daniel. You can stuff a W in your mouth in front of everybody. <laughs> Eat a W, uh, Winston. Yeah. Speaking of Chase Daniel, that's right, Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky leaves the game. The Bears defense does their job, and they beat the Vikings 16-6. I hope people took that teaser. Did the teaser hit? No, it did, did it hit? What was the Broncos' final score? I don't think I actually took the teaser. Uh, Denver's. 26-24 Jags. Yeah, so it would have hit. Yes, it would have hit. All right, all three of them hit. That's awesome. I hope people took it. Um, anyway, the Bears, Sean, they won 16-6. to uh, Would you like to uh, curb stomp Kirby Cousins, or would you prefer to talk about what this means in the grander scheme of things for the Bears and Chase Daniels? And the- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Ryan handle the Chase Daniels part. I thought Ryan was handle the Kirby Cousins part. So- the, cha- the Chase Daniel, some super fan you are. I There's no West, Sean. You said Daniels. You said Daniels. Go ahead. Like, the, the guy just led your team to a win. You can't even get his he last did, name uh, right. Well, well, okay. I don't want to get into Chase Daniel, but he did not <laughs> lead the Bears to those win. This was all about the Bears' defense. And coming into the game, I felt really confident because the Bears were, what, one or two-point favorites at home, which I thought, at the very least, they should be three-point favorites at home because I thought these teams are pretty evenly matched. And then you look at Kirk Cousins' record uh, against teams above 500, and it's just flat-out terrible. But then before the game, suddenly Akeem Hicks gets ruled out. Roquan Smith, for personal reasons they still haven't explained, did not play. And so I started to get a little bit worried. There's no reason to be worried. I mean, this was, I thought, a pathetic effort from the Vikings, and it was the exact reason why heading into the season I couldn't take the Vikings over the Bears because I don't think there's any way in hell the Vikings can beat the Bears this year in either of their two matchups because they are so outmatched up front, even without Akeem Hicks, even without Roquan Smith. I mean, Nick Kwiatkowski looked like a star in this game, and I've watched him before because Roquan Smith did not start at the beginning of last season. He is not that good of a player. And so you look at the other side of the ball, the Bears are without Taylor Gabriel, uh, their second wide receiver. They were without their starting right guard in Kyle Log, and then they lost Mitch Trubisky on their first series of the game. So the Bears were down six starters. And it, this wasn't even close. If you look at the final score and Kirk Cousins' final stats, you're going to probably see over seven yards per attempt. It looks okay. Before garbage time throughout over three quarters, the Vikings had 95 yards of offense, not including penalties. 95 total yards of offense, and then they pieced together one that was 16 nothing, a couple of long drives to make the game somewhat interesting, not really. And 
look, I think a lot of people on this team are getting frustrated with Cousins. If you look at the post-game quotes that came out from Thielen talking about how they can't expect Dalvin Cook uh, to run the ball for 150 yards every game. At some point, they got to take matters in their own hands. And Mike Zimmer said this about Kirk Cousins' big game struggles. Quote, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. So for me, this was exactly what I thought would happen. The problem being for the Vikings, this wasn't the Bears' A team. Uh, what happens when they face the Bears' A team? Dun, 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 dun. Well played. Well played, John. Here, um, I'll let John talk about Chase Daniel, but I want to give you my, uh, you guys been waiting for this, my new nickname for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, what is it? You ready? So one of my favorite baseball players ever, Sean probably doesn't know who this is, and I wasn't a Twins fan growing up, but Kirby Puckett. Good old Kirby, rest in peace. Remember him, Sean? I actually do built, know the name. Built like a fire hydrant, but he... You're trolling me right now? Uh, why? <laughs> I mean, I can't talk ill about Kirby Puckett because he's dead, but he sort of ruined you know, the 91 World Series for Braves fans. 91? What happened in 91? <laughs> I wasn't alive. That the was twins. a Sid Bream, Sid Bream one, right? That's they beat the Pirates? 92. Get it right. Okay. Keep, moving, keep moving with your... Anyway, <laughs> Kirby Puckett... Beloved at Minnesota. I loved him as a baseball uh, as a baseball player when I was younger growing up. Um, I'm not going to call Kirby Cousins Kirby Puckett, but I am going to call him Kirby Effett. I think that should Why be call him, no. Why don't you call him Kirby Suckett? Wait, wait, wait. Kirby Suckett's even wait, better because I can say that on the air. I was thinking Kirby Effett, but not the F, but, you know, the, the naughty. This is one. worse than his outhouse. No, no this Kirby, is awesome. Kirby, Kirby Suckett's Suck great, yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take credit for Kirby. Kirby. Brent's going to take credit for Suckett. Um, and then. Uh, what's your name, Sean? So, do you want to revisit? <laughs> you forgot your son's name. That's embarrassing. I do. You want to revisit my hot take of Chase uh, being able to run? I the- was gonna let you have your victory lap. Take it. Well, you guys are due to it all over me that I was crazy. You guys all you you have a weird. I, I would like to call a timeout at first. Brinson and Sean shot you down. All I said, I didn't agree or disagree. I just said that Trubisky's bad, and maybe is, they need to look at other options. Yeah. Is Mitchell Trubisky, is Chase Daniel better than Mitchell Trubisky right now? They're half a dozen of one. If they're both healthy next week, who do you start if you're Matt Nagy? Chase Daniel, because he knows Matt Nagy's system, or at least he can execute it in my mind more consistently, not necessarily better, but more consistently than um, one-armed Trubisky. See, now I don't think you're crazy. I used to think Sean, that. who would you? I'm on what, Team Wilson. Sean, what do you want to have happen with Mr. Trubisky's shoulder? Like, what do you want to find out when the MRI happens? Like, I mean, look, be honest. I mean, like you wanted to, obviously, he's not going to die or anything. That's off the table. I mean, but, but I mean, all I'm saying is, like, would you, if, if they were like, Mr. Trubisky's going to miss four weeks with the, or like six weeks with the collarbone injury, would you be like, like, if, if, like, not on a podcast, but like you're in, you know, you're in a room? What would your panic scale be? No, not a panic scale. Like, what no, 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 no. I, I mean, I, look, I know what you're asking. Uh, this is what I'll, so I'll say two different things. I would rather still have Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback because I think for the Bears to win the Super Bowl, they need better quarterback play. Why are you laughing, Ryan? The Bears could 100%. Did you hear what you just said? Yeah. Under they, no circumstances are the Bears winning the Super Bowl with Mitch Trubisky. Sean, they lost. In the, I don't, I don't think that last year. Yeah, and if they have a kicker that makes that field goal, they go into New Orleans against a New Orleans team that was not looking great um, and only lost that game because Alshon Jeffrey dropped a pass on the final hey, series. Hey, listen, man, we're an hour into the podcast. We don't need to revisit Ryan, Ryan, do you guys think it's ridiculous what, what, that the Bears what is win the Super Bowl? What, what does last year have to do with winning the Super Bowl this year? 
because with Trubisky last year, they went to the playoffs and should advance to the divisional round if they had a competent kicker. Packers are better, the Vikings are better, and the Lions are <laughs> Okay, well, now I know you're just stretch rolling. You think the Vikings – all right, we're not getting into this. You asked me about my the panic meter. This is what I'll say is that if Trubisky, if the news comes out, he's out six weeks, I'm not going to feel panic because Ryan's right. I'm Chase Daniel going to be relieved. Are you going to be like, yes. I'm not going to be relieved because I think the entire goal – to get to this by January is to have Trubisky playing at a higher level than he did last year because that's how if the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl, which is what I was going to say, they need a quarterback playing at a higher level. And I don't think Chase Daniel is capable of hitting that high level. Now, maybe Trubisky can't either, but I think there's a chance he can get there. Whereas what we saw today from Chase Daniel, I think, is what you're going to get uh, more often than not, which was fine because – they were playing with a lead throughout most of the afternoon, and I don't think he played well in the second half. The Bears pretty much didn't put together a single drive. But that's why I would rather roll the dice on Trubisky having that 10% chance of developing into a good quarterback, whereas now Chase Daniel can't. But then again, again, if the news comes out tomorrow that Mr. Trubisky is out five weeks, I'm not going to be sitting here you know, moaning about it because I think the Bears can win with that defense and with Chase Daniel executing uh, Matt Nagy's offense. Go get an Ethernet cord tomorrow. Um, the uh, quarterbacks, who would you rather have, Breach, if you were starting a franchise? Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield? Andy Dalton's not an option. You're going to replace Andy Dalton with Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield. Who would you pick? That is just uh, – you know what? Here's the thing. Because Baker is, Mayfield beat Lamar Jackson 40 to 25 on Sunday. Lamar Jackson 24 or 34 for 247 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, and Baker Mayfield was lights out 20 of 30, 342 yards, a touchdown, an interception that probably wasn't his fault. Nick Chubb, a monster, 20 carries, 165 yards and three touchdowns, including an 88 yard score that registered the highest speed by next gen stats on a touchdown this year, 21.95 miles per hour or what Sean, uh, goes the sheet the speed Sean goes at on his little scooter when he's flying around Oakland you know what I do know my answer it is Baker Mayfield because Lamar Jackson he just he took a lot of hits there. he got sacked four times and he I just don't think you can't play like that and last a long time we've seen with RG3 we've seen Deshaun Watson is going to get beat up Russell Wilson is the best quarterback when it comes to just kind of running around never taking big hits he knows when to slide he knows when to get out of bounds and these other guys just don't take a cue from that and they're just like I'm going to run over people and so uh, you know that's Lamar Jackson's biggest problem he's had a great year but we saw today what happens when he just struggles a little bit it wasn't even all his fault the Browns actually put some pressure on him hey John Uh, what, what would you have said 24 hours ago about which quarterback I probably would have leaned – I would have been 50-50, but now I'm 60-40 Baker. Okay. I just think that Baker's – you know, he's a classic pocket quarterback. He's better longevity chance with Baker Mayfield. Um, but I think getting Nick Chubb going here was the big thing for the Browns. It's something they absolutely had to do. This is kind of what you were waiting for. And I don't think any of us thought it was going to come against the Ravens' defense. Nobody thought – Cleveland was going to go into Baltimore and put 40 points on the scoreboard and have Nick Chubb just go off. And so if they get Chubb going, I mean, all of a sudden, two and two, first place in the AFC North. And they, we were a little, I think we all left them kind of for dead after that Titans loss and after that second loss. But now here they are. Let me ask you guys, who do you think is the favorite in the division now? Oh, God. I don't know what to make of – like I said, I haven't seen this game yet, so I want to watch it. But just what I saw in the first three weeks of Baker Mayfield, I don't know what to make of that. 
I still like the Ravens, but I haven't seen Lamar Jackson in, in this game, so I want to see that. And what, where's Odell Beckham been? He hasn't been worth the first round pick in the. Uh, he was drawing triple coverage so that the rest of the offense would work. I mean, the the Ravens were making sure Odell did not do anything. Jarvis Landry got eight catches for 167 yards. I would say that the Browns are the favorite. That's where I don't I was know. Going. Are you sold on Baker though? Uh, I mean, I buy into Baker. I'm still worried. You know, he hadn't had. This is a big. This might be the the signature win of his career. Honestly, I mean, going if into he Baltimore did this week 17, the Steelers would have gone to the playoffs. So that's I'm not buying it. Yet. I mean, you go into Baltimore <laughs> and you go into Baltimore and you beat and you beat the and you beat the Ravens. You tie you all. I mean, like you would have gone to one and three if you lose that game and you're reeling. Baltimore would be three and one, and instead. Uh, you know, you end up, you end up, you're tied for, you're in the first place in the division. It's two and they two. were one in five the last six games in Baltimore. Of those six games, I think only, uh, only one was less than eight points in terms of the, the point differential. So that's, I mean, this is a huge turn of events. I yeah. was blown away by the final score. Well, so, and let me say, well, Brenton was saying that the Browns, he likes them as the favorite now. And here is a big reason I agree with that. I mean, we saw, what I think we thought was one of Baltimore's strengths was their defense. What do we see today? The Browns put up 530 yards, and that was a week after we saw the Chiefs put up 503 yards. That's two straight games to give me up more than 500 yards. They gave up like 350 passing yards to Kyler Murray, uh, and they didn't really – and they beat the Dolphins. So, like, we can't really give them credit for that. So I don't know that the Ravens' defense is that good based on the last three weeks. I don't, I don't think, think it is. I don't think it is either. Yeah, they lost a lot of guys in the offseason, and I think a big part of their overall philosophy was having Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson control the clock. And if Lamar Jackson's throwing interceptions and taking sacks, that, that's a problem. Good news for the Ravens is they get the Steelers, Bengals, and Seahawks. Hey. Week eight by Steelers are terrible, right? Yeah, timeout because uh, either the Steelers or the Bengals are only going to be one game out of first place after Monday uh, night. Brinson, save it for your guys' podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Me and Breach have teamed up, so whoever loses, we're going to pull for the other team. So suck <laughs> it, suckers. Uh, we uh, we'll find a little about a little bit more about the Browns when they head to uh, San Francisco on Monday night. That is not the easy game on the schedule. It looked like then they have the Seahawks at home before their week seven bye. Then they go at Patriots at Broncos. So. Um, we have not seen to date, I don't think Baker Mayfield beat a team with a very good defense, uh, in his career. So I'll be curious to see how he looks against the 49ers, Seahawks, and Patriots. That'll be legit. Yeah. Um, the Chiefs don't have a good defense and, uh, I don't, don't know. Need what don't, yeah, they don't need it. But Mahomes, they almost lost to your boy, Matt Patricia. The Lions, two, one and one could easily be four and oh. Uh, they had, they had the Chiefs on the rails. Mahomes looked slow. The Chiefs' offense looked off. Mahomes' accuracy wasn't there. And um, let's see. Uh, I'm checking the stats here, doing the math. Uh, zero touchdowns. That's weird, Sean. thought he was on pace for 7,000. What happened? <laughs> what happened to your precious little hero? It's actually <laughs> the uh, third starter of Mahomes' career without a touchdown pass. And I think really you can say the second because his first one came in his rookie year when he started that week 17 game. No, um, really, I think Alex Smith. Say, really, I think you would say the third. Yeah. Okay. Kyle fine. Allen's 3-0 as a starter, even though he started a meaningless week 17 game last year. It counts. Yeah. Um, my takeaway from this, I mean, Brent is just going to mock me with whatever I say because I'm about to put a positive spin on this. And it was the fact that this was not Mahomes playing well. He was 0 for 9 on deep passes. Um, He's on pace for his... 40 touchdowns now, by the way. He's also on pace for over 6,000 yards. Still. Regression. By the way, you say that. 
two weeks ago, you asked me what his numbers were going to be, and I said he would finish with fewer touchdown passes than he did last year, but more yards. He's still on pace for that. All right, go ahead. Don't get distracted. Go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, oh. It's just funny that Ryan sees exactly what Brent is trying to do. And, and just for the record, Mahomes is on pace for exactly 6,040 yards. Thank you, Breach. Um, <laughs> Stat check. No, I, I think I think it's a positive that this was the Chiefs' offense looking dysfunctional, uh, not looking in sync, fumbling the ball like crazy. There were five fumbles combined between the two teams in the third quarter alone. There's so, four consecutive possessions that ended in a lost fumble. That's insane. So this was just a really weird, sloppy game, and not what we expected because the narrative all week was, oh, Mahomes indoors, Chiefs offense, that speed indoors. Like, they haven't been indoors with Mahomes. What's going to happen? And they looked completely out of sync. And he still threw for 315 yards. He didn't take a sack. He didn't turn the ball over. And so what's scary is, like, if this is Mahomes – Maybe not at, at his worst because we've seen him play, you know, Jacksonville, uh, maybe with worse stats. But this is Mahomes off, and he still throws for 315 yards, and they still score what they score, 34 points. I think that's scary. And the defense did score seven points off a really weird fumble play that was returned 99 yards. Um, it was just a really weird game all line. But look, the Chiefs aren't going to go through the whole season. You know, blowing teams out by 28 points. It, I think a big takeaway that Jason Lockenfor wrote about is we might have to start taking the Lions somewhat seriously in terms of the playoff race. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm sort of joking about Matt Patricia being coach of the year. That defense is really good. Um, I haven't seen the game yet. Stafford's playing better this year, it looks like. You I do to, want you don't have to admit you haven't watched the game. It's fine. Just pretend like you. Well, I do want to see it though, so I'll watch it. Um, Stafford Stafford's playing really well right now. Well, you he know it's awesome. You know what the defense did that I feel like other teams haven't done against Mahomes that now I'm going to be curious to see what other teams do after they watch the film on this, like Ryan does. Is I felt like they were dropping a lot more guys in the coverage, and they were like, you know what, we're not going to pressure you. We're going to send three guys. We're going to drop eight. We're going to play zone. And Mahomes was having trouble finding openings. The receivers were having trouble finding the soft spots. And uh, there were a few times where Mahomes was kind of bailing on the clean pockets and then running into pressure. So I wonder if that's the recipe to kind of slow down Mahomes is to not blitz him. Because, look, he's done incredible against blitzes. We've seen him do the sidearm around blitzers and all that. I think it might be drop as many guys into into zones and try to let the routes develop, and maybe they don't find the openings. Possible. Yeah, Mahomes just didn't look sharp. He was just off. Yeah. You could tell, I mean, you could tell that, um, he had the most rushing yards of his career too, by the way. 50. Well, that's what I was going to say. When we see a team do that, that's, that was his reaction was to, you know what? I'll just run the ball. And he had a 25 yard run and go ahead, Brinson. It was just that he adjusted to it pretty quickly knowing that his guys weren't getting open. Well, it was weird too because there was a scene, there was a spot, um, in, during that game where they cut to Mahomes and he's sitting on the sideline and he's got an iPad or a Microsoft Surface or whatever it is, uh, and he's, and he's holding it and Andy Reid came over and sat down with him and they were kind of going over everything and you never see that. Like what you always see is like Eric Bienemy walking over and he's like, oh, another touchdown. I'm ready. Like, like a little froggy voice or something like that. And Mahomes, like everybody's over there very serious. Like what the hell is going on? Why aren't we obliterating this team by 400 points? We're indoors. We're supposed to be lighting it up. Um, and, uh, you know, that was not, uh, that was not the case. 34 30, the game still went over, I believe. Uh, but it took some furious scoring, uh, there at the end. They had, uh, uh, three touchdowns that, uh, oh, excuse me. Yes, three touchdowns. And there was that 99 yard fumble. Insane. Right. It was, it was a 100 yard fumble return. Yeah. Cause it was on the goal line. And like, I, look, I, these refs, 
are suck at everything. I mean, like, I, like, I think they did this one right. They got it right. But like, when did they not blow the whistle on that situation? When well, they... the problem was it looked like they were going, they looked like they were running into spot the ball. Whereas live, when it happened, I was like, he might have actually fumbled. But they, the way they ran, it made it look like they were going to blow it dead. And then they made the correct call by not blowing it dead because on review, it looked like he might have actually fumbled. But you're right. It seemed like live that when they were showing the, uh, Bashad Breland returning the ball, the way the camera was even showing it was like, oh, he's just doing this because he's supposed to do it. It's not going to actually count. And then right. when they showed the replay. It's like, oh my God, like he actually might have fumbled. Yeah. No, they got it right. Like credit to him for getting it right. It's just you always see them, uh, you always see them do that. Uh, moving along, Minshew Mania. My man, Gardner Minshew. Uh, he, uh, he and the Jaguars. Oh no, crap. They took down the Broncos. 26-24. At least I can just get off this ship now. I feel bad for Denver. I mean, they just lost a, like, that, that's a brutal quote. Like, they stormed down and, like, took the lead. Flacco was slinging it in this game. He looked pretty sharp. I mean, and, and then they just end up gagging it away because they can't stop Gardner Minshew from matriculating the entire length of the field. Jacksonville hits a field goal. Um, it uh, was, who, who's their kicker breach? Uh, Josh Lambeau. Josh Lambeau hit his fifth field goal of the game, 33 yarder. They win uh, as, as the, as the game is expiring. Flacco finished 22 and 38 for 303 yards and three touchdowns. Manuel Sanders over 100 yards. Cortland Sutland had two touchdowns. I mean, I just don't know. I just feel bad for the Broncos. I don't. Fun fact. They had, uh, five sacks. That's right. Fun fact. They got their first sacks of the year. Um, I don't think the Broncos are one of the worst teams in football. I think they've just been really unlucky. I mean, I, I, am I wrong? I, I, okay, here's the thing with the Broncos. It's really kind of crazy because they did not look good all year, or it, it just, they just didn't look good. And then finally, everything came together. I mean, they were assaulting Garner Minshew this entire game. Ryan just mentioned the five sacks. Joe Flacco threw for 303 yards and three touchdowns. By all, like if you just look at the box score, if you watch the first quarter through the third quarter. You would think the Broncos won this game in a blowout. But the reason they didn't is because they could not tackle Leonard Fournette. I mean, the Jags just kept giving the ball, and he kept running all over them. Not only did he have an 80-yard run, he totaled 225 yards in the game. You guys want a fun fact? Since yeah. two, since 2017, there have only been four running backs in the NFL who have gone over 200 yards. Three of those have come against the Broncos. Mm. That is a fun fact. You want another fun fact? Yes. That's his career high, 225 rushing yards, the second most in a game in Jaguars history behind only Fred Taylor's 234 and 2000 against the Steelers, which I'm sure Ryan remembers well. Mm-hmm. That was a whooping. Yeah. Um, so real quick on that though, the, uh, Jaguars. That's, by the way, that was Fournette's first 100 rush, 100 yard rushing game since 2017. Yikes. Yeah. He hasn't been great. The Jags put up 133 yards. 133 yards over the final 10 minutes of the game. So the Broncos defense kind of melted down. Uh, I think the Broncos were leading 20 to 17. Or no, they were trailing 20-17. The Jags drove down, got a field goal, went up 23-17. Broncos, Flacco responded with a touchdown, and then Minshew Magic drove them down for that last second field goal. So the Broncos defense gave up two huge drives in the final nine and a half minutes. Uh, Yes. You mentioned feeling bad for the Broncos. I just feel so bad for Vic Fangio. I mean, he waits decades to get his first head coaching job. Before his first ever game, he gets kidney stones, and he has to coach through a preseason game, the extra preseason game, the Hall of Fame game with kidney stones. He gets stuck with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. 
whatever, they lose week one, week two against his former team, you know, get a win over Matt Nagy, Trubisky, and it looks like they do it. And then the officials, for some reason, finally to run, they decide to run the clock right and they give the, they give the, the Bears one second. This kicker, Eddie Pinheiro, makes a 50-whatever-yard field goal. And then, you know, today with Gardner Minshew. And fun fact, the Broncos now actually have the longest active losing streak in the NFL. They haven't won since week 14 of 2018. That is eight straight losses for the Broncos. I don't find that fact to be very fun. Well, did you know we, what? Uh, <laughs> did, did Vic Fangio want to be a head coach? Yes, badly. Oh. Do you think now he wants to be a defensive coordinator? Yes, badly. Uh it, you, do you think he because wants- I think the I think the 49ers actually wanted to keep him as the defensive coordinator yeah, when they exactly. hired Tomsula, right? Because yeah. they hired Tomsula, who was the defensive line coach, Over right, Vic- on Vic Fangio's staff, who was the defensive coordinator, and then Fangio got mad, and that's why he went to Chicago yeah. to join John Fox's staff. I, should he consider coaching from the booth? Yes, hundred percent. I don't think you can do all the head coaching stuff you need to from the booth. Somebody else is going to call plays. I mean, it's just a problem. Yes. Like. He can call a place in the booth and just have someone else be be the head coach. Cause that would be humiliating. I'm just going to say, don't tell anyone. Big Fangio moving to the booth is not going to suck. Uh, That's not the vibe the Broncos are owned for. Yeah, going 0 4 is humiliating. You got nothing to lose at this point. Just get right. up in the booth. Take your clothes off. Feel like once you go on to, here, once go you crazy. go up to the booth, that's like your first step towards like, yeah, I'm getting fired. Yeah, he's getting fired anyway. Go to the booth. Get better. You can't fire him after one year. Uh, negative 23 points. Wait a second. What? Same as, same as the Raiders, by the way. He's not going to get fired after one year. Yeah, you know who else said that? Uh, yeah, I, whoever that guy was that got fired after one year. Who was it? Adam Gates. I don't know. He gets fired all the time. He got fired last, oh, Steve Wilkes. There you go. Boom. Done. Uh, okay. Boom. Roasted. Okay. Uh, Ducked on. Um, very quickly, do you guys, who, what do you, Breach, who do you, who would you favor in the, uh, AFC South right now? Every single team in that division is two and two. Oh man. Week one, <laughs> it was Jacksonville. Then week two, I got off Jacksonville's bandwagon. Then week three, I thought about getting back on. And now I've seen Gardner Minshew for three straight weeks. I'm back on the Jaguars bandwagon. I'm not leaving it this time unless they lose next week. Then I might hop on the Colts, but I think I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I think Texans, the Texans' offensive line is not improving at all. Uh, we saw the Colts lose to the Raiders, which we will get to, which is an embarrassing loss. And then the Titans, I think, are the other biggest threat. I mean, right now, if I had to rank them, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. They're all even with the uh, Jags well, let's, well, let's, 1% let's on top. Well, let's lump those two teams together because they were, they were bizarre road beatdowns that really nobody saw coming. Remember the um, – the Titans, the last time we'd seen them before they went to Atlanta, they'd been embarrassed, humiliated in Jacksonville on a Thursday night, but they had 10 days to rest. They go in and bludgeon the Falcons, 24 to 10. Marcus Mariota, 18 to 27, 227 yards, three passing touchdowns. Two of those were in the first quarter. Uh, that he had, uh, two, by the way, two, three t- passing touchdown games, uh, this season. AJ Brown, three catches, 94 yards and two TDs. He looks freaking awesome. And uh, Atlanta could not run the ball in that game. Julio Jones did uh, did not have a very good game. Neither did Calvin Ridley. And for the Raiders and the Colts, the Raiders beat the Colts 31-24 the week before they go to London. They get to 2-2. Two and two. They're suddenly back in the mix. John Gruden was making all kinds of crazy faces. Uh, the Colts clearly missed a T.Y. Hilton, and the defense did not play well. Jacoby Brissett uh, threw a pick six, I believe, near the end to ice that game. Um I don't know if I were to, if I honestly, I, I don't know who I would take in this division. I, I would, you could tell me any team wins a division, I would buy it. I might even take the Jaguars. <laughs> I mean, I might take the Jaguars right now. Well, all four of these teams are so incredibly flawed. The Texans have no offensive line. The Colts had kicking issues. 
They have injuries with T.Y. Hilton. Jacoby Brissett through the interception you mentioned. Marlon Mack left early from that game too, and he was hurt. So that's a the Titans. We don't know about Marcus Mariota. He's as he fluctuates just as much as Jameis Winston in terms of being terrible and being okay. And then, I mean, I thought that Nick Foles wasn't the answer. Maybe Gardner Minshew is in Jacksonville. I can't believe I'm going to say this. And worth pointing out, now we have to account for the fact that Leonard Fournette had the best game since junior high school, but they did it without Jalen Ramsey. He was not there. So they're winning games without Jalen Ramsey, with Gardner Minshew, and in a division where no one seems to want to take control, even though everyone's – I mean, it's perfect that they're all 2-2 two and because two, this is completely replacement-level division. But I'm sort of the breach. I think I'm leaning towards Gardner Minshew, which means that as soon as Nick Foles comes off IR, they're going to pinch Gardner Minshew. Since Breach once called me Mr. Point Differential, I do want to point out that only one team in the division has a positive point differential. That would be the Titans at plus 29. This is how close the rest of the division is. The Texans are at zero, so they are perfectly at 500. The Jacksonville Jaguars are also at zero, and then the Colts are at minus eight. Uh, and, and we should throw out the, they're at plus 29, even though they won a game by 30 points, which was Baker imploding with three fourth quarter interceptions. Yeah. Uh, so this division is so tight. I'm with you guys. I can't decide who to pick. I would still probably just stick with the Texans because I think they have the best quarterback. But you guys are right. I could see the Jaguars winning this division. The thing that concerns me about the Colts isn't Brissett or, you know, T.Y. Hilton's injury. It's that their defense looked straight terrible against a Raiders offense that has not looked good. I mean, the Chiefs defense shut down the Raiders offense in Oakland a couple weeks ago. So I think that's the more concerning part of the Colts. It's so beautiful at all. It's mediocrity. <laughs> like it's just like like zero net points through four weeks of the season, and they're two and two. It's just so, it's so like uh, it's very Thanosian from uh, you know like balance. It's perfectly balanced. Um, I don't know, man. I'd like if Tennessee plays well. Uh, what do you what do you think about the Raiders? What do we think about the Raiders? Are they are they're going to fly to London and lose by forty points? We know that. What's his face? They really John, are, right? They John are. Gruden can't be in a metal tube for that long. So yeah, he gets vertigo. He hates traveling. It's going to be a whole thing. Where the they... Raiders have played in London twice, and they lost both games by exactly twenty-four points. So they lost one game by twenty-four points, and the second game by twenty-four points. And I think they were both with Derek Carr. So maybe he hates it too, huh? Do you think it helps <laughs> that they fly to London the, the day before the game? Is that good? I don't, I, I don't think anything. What helps was the other them. one besides the Seahawks last year? Who was the? When was the last time they were in London? Do you know, Breach? Uh, I think it was 2014. Okay, I was just curious to see what. I didn't know if they had like a bye week after, or like what was the deal? Um, and they lost with the Dolphins both times. That's so weird. I think they fired their coach after that loss. Maybe. Yeah, they did. Like they, on, uh, on the tarmac in London or something. Dennis Allen. <laughs> yeah. Was Dennis Allen the coach? Yeah, they fired Dennis Allen. Tony Soprano replaced the late Tony Soprano replaced him. Soprano replaced him. Man, that's crazy. God, that didn't feel like that long ago. Then they hired Jack Del Rio. All right, all right. Uh, the Falcons. Speaking of hiring and firing coaches, Dan Quinn's done. I mean, he's yeah. getting fired. How do you get fired on your day off, Dan Quinn? And <laughs> the worst part for Dan Quinn is that he hired an offensive coordinator in Dirk Cutter who was previously worked with Matt Ryan, who also has previous head coaching experience and who would be an obvious layup choice to select as the next head coach. I'm just saying, if if Steve Sarkeesian is your OC, you're not firing Quinn and promoting Sarkeesian, Sark to the head coach. But Dan, but, uh, Dirk Cutter, it's an easy interim coach. Interim, yeah, but he's not the long term. All right. Well, how over under five weeks when Dan Quinn's fired? Under. Wow. That's, I, I can see the under. They're one and three. They're supposed to be three and one at this point. 
They're and not, some, it's horrendous. Some, some of it's the issues with the, you know, the say, Trump I, I say, getting injured and all that. I say five weeks because their bye is week nine. So they're at Texans, at Cardinals, Rams, and Seahawks. In fact, if well, they don't go. They're going to go one and three. If they go one and three in those games and get embarrassed in either of those home games, Dan Quinn will be fired in that bye week. That's um, less than five as, weeks, by the way. It would be exactly five weeks. One and three? He'll be fired in the bye week. Oh, okay. Um, Give him time to pack up. Yeah. Uh, they just fire and their coaches during the bye week. That's just one of you guys just mentioned they're playing the Texans next. The Falcons are 1-11 and in their past 12 games against AFC teams, and they've lost the past two weeks against AFC teams. Dan Quinn literally has no idea what he's doing against AFC teams. They're 1-11 and against AFC teams? That's insane. <laughs> and so the, the theory is, RJ, I was sort of diving into this. I, it might be that like he doesn't know how to coach teams he's never played against. They're like, prepare yeah, teams. Stop it. It's not crazy. You're only I mean, playing one in eleven. One in eleven, man. It's not like it's one in five. It's one yeah, in eleven. One in eleven. He gets blasted by AFC teams. Oh, oh, and twelve against the spread. If anybody wants to bet, does that include the Super Bowl? Because he actually won that game. If not for the, and it actually it does Except not for the include fact the that they did. Well, that's only regular season. So if we include the Super Bowl, uh, it makes it one in twelve. Yeah, fun fact: he didn't win that game. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean he won the game? He won. Except not for the overtime. No, he lost. Uh, Chargers, Dolphins. Breaking news, guys. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders tweets that the, uh, the Miami Dolphins, the 2019 Miami Dolphins are indeed the worst team in the history of football, according to DVOA through four weeks. Uh, they beat out their negative 91.3 DVOA through four weeks, uh, beating out the 2013 Jaguars, who had negative 83.8. And the 2001 Redskins, who were negative uh, 71.6, as well as the 2008 Lions, who were negative 69.8. I have you a bold are... prediction. The Redskins are going to finish worse in DVOA than the Dolphins this season. No way. That's Why not? Bold. It's bold. Case Keenum got up to a strong start, in quotes. And then if Jay Gruden's given up, going to throw Dwayne Haskins out there. Scary Terry's hurt. Trent Williams isn't coming back. I, I, the Dolphins' next game is against the Redskins. Dude, the, I mean, that, we should we'd have like that's a, a huge emergency game, podcast for, for the number one pick. The Dolphins were negative fifty three point three coming into this game. Oh no, excuse me. Yes, negative. Oh, that's total Dave. What am I looking at here? Oh, they were negative one. They got better this week. They got better. See? They were negative one and nine point three. Here they come, Brenton. You're bearing the lead in all this, which is Devontae Parker had four catches, seventy <laughs> yards. And a touchdown. Meanwhile, Sammy Watkins had three catches, fifty-four yards, and he fumbled. What's the uh, what's uh, the Devontae score? Park. Uh, that requires math. Unless you guys, is there any website that has the no, just stats the, uh, updated? No, NFL.com. I would imagine has their individual season stats. Uh, what was the thing that you said? Like, how many did Sammy have today? So Sammy's at twenty-three receptions, three hundred sixty-five yards, and three touchdowns. Okay. In the season. What about DP? And Devontae had how many today? 470 and a touchdown. So he's at 201. Oh, you're getting smoked. Not he's even yeah, back. There was, like, there was that one, week one is going to propel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad Devontae Parker is. One game from Sammy Watkins ended the race. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the Chargers took care of business. It was actually a close game. Was it 10 nothing or 7 nothing at one point? 
Yeah. The Dolphins had a game. lead. They had their first lead of the season in this game. That's right. Yeah. The Chargers started out very slow. The Dolphins first half was the play and then Chargers minus seven in the second half as a layup because they smoked him. Austin Eckler was awesome. Thank goodness. Yeah. The, um, uh, the, 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 the great Anthony Lynn listened to my, my pleas and my complaints and my calls not to play Melvin Gordon. He didn't put him out there. Tissue injuries aren't a concern, Melvin. Melvin, soft tissue injuries really get hurt here, Anthony. Uh, I'm sure you're listening. Um, Austin Eckler was awesome. 18 carries, 60 yards, caught five passes for 60 yards and a touchdown. They really may need to make sure they don't face him out too much because he's, he's really good. Rivers, 24, 33, 10, two touchdowns. This is a cakewalk. I mean, like I said, it was a, you know, I don't know what. Uh, uh, Just put it in perspective real quick. The Chargers obviously just mentioned Melvin Gordon didn't play. They didn't have Justin Jackson. He was inactive. They didn't have Travis Benjamin inactive. They didn't have Mike Williams. He was inactive. They didn't have Hunter Henry inactive. They didn't have Virgil Green inactive. That is five potential pass-catching people who were inactive and not playing in this game, and that is how bad the Dolphins are, that Phillip Rivers, without any of these people, including Melvin Gordon, and he still threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Are the Dolphins going to win a game this year? And is their only hope against the Redskins in two Next weeks? Next week. Two weeks. That's the Super Bowl. The Redskins they have, they have the, a bye and then the Redskins. The Red, oh. Yeah, they get a bye and then the Redskins, whereas the Redskins get the Patriots <laughs> and then the Dolphins. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to win that game. Um, so, uh, I, 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 let's I they, they, can still, they can be the Jets at home in week nine. What's the spread going to be in that Dolphins-Redskins game? Pick them. Uh, Where's it at? Miami. Mar. Washington. Washington is going to lose by 40 points to the to the to the Patriots next week, and oh, they're yeah. going to be a road favorite. What is it going to be? I mean, it's going to be Redskins minus like two and a half. Okay, yeah. All Maybe right. Redskins minus five. I don't know. No, I'm actually excited for that game. You say that now after two series, like what am I doing? <laughs> it's like eating a box of ice cream at midnight. Uh, all right, our final game of the week. What's wrong with eating a box of ice cream at midnight? That sounds pretty Ryan, fun. True story. Ryan, <laughs> Not a fun fact. You're going to go fun fact instead of the true story. Ryan, New genre. I'm into it. Every night after the Indianapolis Super Bowl. New Orleans. It was the New Orleans Super Bowl. We'd go out in New Orleans. We'd get, you know, have eight or nine drinks. Um, Ryan would go back to the hotel. He would come in and he would get a pint of Ben and Jerry's or a pint of, was it a Hagen dazs No, Ben and Jerry's. And a pint of Ben and Jerry's and go to three in the morning. Three in the morning and eat it by himself. <laughs> you know the lowest point of that whole thing? Because this was at the front desk where they had those little like uh snack bar things you can order and put it in your room. I had no issue with that. But I was walking to my room at like two thirty one morning, had the spoon in my hat, like a pencil, like I was Matt Patricia. <laughs> I had two pints of ice cream and I ran into Mary Kay Cabot from the Cleveland Plain Deal. <laughs> All I said was, Don't judge me, I kept walking. <laughs> that was rock bottom. <laughs> Smash cut to Absolutely crushing two pints of ice cream at three in the morning. <laughs> Giggling on his bed watching like, yeah. like, uh, Andy Griffith show reruns. <laughs> oh my God. That would have been, that would have been a, a, a home run. But the point is it, it seems like a great idea and then you feel like dog crap after you, after you chug it. So that's the whole, that's the same thing. With, I got it. With the dog. Oh, that, that's how I feel after tequila. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, last time we were with Rich, he tried a, uh, uh, tequila with Diet Coke, so I believe him. Oh, that's right. You know what the worst thing is? Is that, uh, t- have you had that coffee patron stuff? No, of course not. Oh, that sounds it's, terrible. It's not ever, bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you drink it the next morning, you go to make your coffee and you're like, oh, uh, and like, like yeah. you think, like every, cause you, the coffee 
flavor. Triggers the, the yeah. chip. I drank it one time. I thought it was going to ruin coffee forever. Uh, final game, Seahawks, Cardinals. Good. I watched all of this game and it was so <laughs> boring. The Cardinals, <laughs> the Cardinals are so terrible. Cliff Kingsbury's <laughs> offense is a joke. Let me ask you this. How much different does it look from last year's offense with, uh, Mike McCoy and or Byron Leftwich? It is better. It is better. Well, like, it's it, like different ways of achieving suck. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> there was like, like the, the Cardinals way was more boring, I would say, because they would just line up in old school formations and run David Johnson up the middle. This like, at least they're trying to be exotic, but it's not fooling defenses anywhere. The only positive thing I'll say is that if you are a David Johnson fantasy owner, Thank God he's finally catching passes. He had eight receptions for 99 yards. That is the only silver lining. And Fitzgerald kind of has value, kind of. No again. way. He's been awesome. He had a bad. He only had five catches for 47 yards. He's been a really good fantasy player. Today. He was really bad today. He was tar- Oh no, I misread that. He was fine today. Yeah. So a- um, did uh, Schottenheimer? I'm looking at Russ. Russ's numbers: 22, 28 for 240. Did, did Schottenheimer let him throw the ball, or did he throw all those when it didn't matter? This is a Chris Carson game, uh, Chris Carson game special. So the Seahawks got an early field goal and then Kyler Murray, uh, got pick six by Judavin Clowney in what? the first quarter. Number yes. one pick on number one pick? Number one, yeah, number one pick crime. Uh, Clowney cranking up that, that stock. Um, Zane Gonzalez got a field goal in the second quarter and then, uh, Russ hit Will, Will Disley, the, the, the hot, the, uh, the, the popular waiver wire pickup. And at that point it was 17-3. Seahawks tacked on a field goal before half. And, uh, that was, that was basically it. I mean, the Cardinals couldn't move the ball. Kyler was under siege. I mean, it's just, it's so depressing to watch. By the way, I want to point something out because we spent a lot of time, primarily me, um, backslapping Steve Kime for the draft. They drafted three wide receivers. Andy Isabella, I don't know if he has a catch this year. I think he played a little bit last week. I don't know. He had a, a five-yard rush this week. Okay, that's one thing. Hakeem Butler, who many people thought was going to be a day two pick, myself included, went in round four. He's, He's on IR. Season. Yeah. Keyshawn Johnson, the six-round pick, is actually doing the most damage. He gets a couple catches every week. He had a couple, it looks like, on Sunday. But it's um, David Johnson, as Sean points out, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, um, Sherfield, and there's another guy who didn't even have a catch today who who's – been getting a lot of the targets. Kirk left with an injury, by the way, too. So. Oh, great. The yeah. point is that no matter how much you love these draft picks, in large part, they don't contribute right away, especially on com- particularly terrible football teams. Mm-hmm. The exception this year being, you know, scary Terry McLaurin, who's been uh, awesome. By the way, that Kirk injury, so I told people, I was like, bet the Cardinals team total over at 10.5. They were inside the red zone, and Kirk catches a ball, and he goes down, and like, he couldn't get up, and so they had to run 10 seconds off the clock, and then the Cardinals, like, the Cardinals are, like, loafing around at the end. I get they were down 17, the game is probably over, but it was like, like what are you doing? Like, go, like run your two, run your no-huddle air raid offense stuff, not to get me my, my bet, but, like, get some damn practice in. Like, like they were, like, effing around. They're, like, loafing, like, uh, like, lounging up to the line of scrimmage, like, all right, we, like, hustle! Run! You're getting your balls beat in, and you're just loafing around That's like you word. don't care. Yeah, but don't forget, Cliff Kingsbury's handsome, and he has a great voice. I mean, and he transfers Sean McVay. And that, all three of those things will take you a long way in life, to be honest. For sure. Clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do wonder if this Cardinals team – by the way, they're 0-3-1. and They've been, like, quasi-competitive in some games, but not really. Like, they should have – 
probably lost to Detroit much worse than they did. Is are Kingsbury Kime going to get fired, or is Kyler look good enough where he's going to get time? One of those guys is probably getting fired. Build around him. Oh, they gave him the contracts to like meld together. They owe a ton of money. The Bidwells aren't going to pay people not to coach or not to GM the team. Their their family ownership, family ownership doesn't do that. I think the thing, the question here is. What is a realistic time period the Cardinals could actually compete for a division title? Because, like, just watching him, they need to get better on defense. They need to get better on the offensive line. Larry Fitzgerald's going to retire this year or next year. They're going to have to revamp their whole entire receiving core. The only thing they have is Kyler Murray and David Johnson, and they need 95 pieces around them that could take four years, and you're not going to get it with Steve Kime drafting them. So I don't know where all this is leading. But I don't think it's leading to a division. By the time title. that happens, David Johnson's going to be 30 and then he's going to be out of his prime yeah. at one By the month. time that happens, Kyler Murray's going to be 30. I, so, this, well, I mean, part of the other problem too is like you, like you hired, you let Kyle hire Kingsbury and then like he had to draft Kyler Murray. So you can't fire the guy who needed to draft Kyler Murray. You're stuck with all three of these guys for five years. And you already traded away your 2018 first round pick who was also a quarterback. You spent a quarterback first round pick two years in a row. I like if that is not a fireable offense, I don't know what it is. So here's how much better the Cardinals are after a month. Last year they finished dead last in DVOA, which is no surprise. 32nd against um, offense, 18th on defense this year. Hold your breath. They're 27th, 27th on offense, 22nd on defense. They're actually worse on defense this year than they were last year. I I would venture a guess that that's going to change for two reasons. One, um, they play or they they played the Ravens kind of close in uh, in Baltimore. The Ravens might not be as good as we think on defense. I don't think the Seahawks are that good on defense either. But they they held them to 10 points. Um, at Bengals, Falcons, at Giants. That's a pretty nice little stretch there. They're going to need to score because then it's at Saints. 49ers at Buccaneers at 49ers. Do they win? They don't win three games out of that stretch, do they? Hell no. They're not winning more than five. Let me, let me ask you guys this. If Josh Rosen is the quarterback of the Cardinals right now, what's their record? Oh, oh, whatever it is. Same. Well, they're 0 and 4, 1 and 3. I mean, yeah, like, you could have, exactly. So there's like, this team, this team with Josh Rosen and Nick Bosa is much better than it currently is. Yeah. And I, <laughs> Were you going to say something? No, I, I said that all during the draft season. I mean, I wasn't, I, I wasn't alone in saying that, but I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people felt that way. Didn't they draft Andy Isabella with the pick of that they got from the Dolphins? I believe so. That was the second. They got him in the second round. I don't know who else they got. I can't remember who else well, they got. So, I mean, would you rather have Kyler Murray and Andy Isabella or Josh Rosen and Nick Bosa? Because, I mean, it's a the latter for player. sure. Yeah, their defense sucks. Not even close. By the way, we didn't even mention this. Rosen has actually looked considering his supporting cast, he's actually looked good, again, considering the supporting cast and whatnot. Look, I like Steve Kime, and I think he's – I mean, I, I get why he's under fire right now, um, but he has a real chance to be on the very wrong side of history here. If Rosen is if Rosen is good and sticks in Miami and just, like, leads the Dolphins – sticking in Miami? Look at the first overall pick. Uh, or if Rosen's not good and Murray's not good, then you're a bonehead who drafted two bad quarterbacks <laughs> exactly. in the first round. So there's there's a lot of ways for him to look bad here. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of good outs for him on the spot. Uh, there's a good out for us, and it's right now because we've been going for 100 minutes. So let's get out of here. Reminder, you can watch the bonus show on YouTube, youtube.com slash CBS Sports. Make sure to rate, subscribe, review. We'll do a mailbag at some point. Uh, check out our Facebook group. I haven't been very good about being in there. My apologies. I'll be better this week. But Breach joined. Think did Sean and Ryan join? Yeah, oh, nice. Um, 
Oh, yeah, and then tomorrow, John and uh, Ryan, while I'm out raising money for children who need help, John and Ryan will be uh, doing a podcast on uh, Steelers Bengals, and Ryan will talk to his man, JLC, about what's going on in the NFL. And you'll be like, man, these podcasts are better than when Princeton's on, and I'll get fired, and I'll play golf all the time. See you guys later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.